Hey everyone, this episode of An Eternity of Basketball is part of the Globally Ballin Podcast Network, a subsidiary of the Globally Ballin Media Network. For this show and other shows like it, such as the Globally Ballin Podcast, as well as projects like it, such as original articles and video work, visit globallyballin.com now. If you like this show, be sure to subscribe to it, as well as give it a five-star rating and a review. We appreciate it. Now, to the show. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is an eternity of basketball powered by San Miguel Corporation. We'd like to remind everyone we're part of the Globally Balling Network and one of the shows there is Who the Heck Are We? And their latest episode, episode 45, features some fool named Attorney Charlie Kuna. So you watch that episode to find out about Charlie Kuna if you want to. Who the heck are we? There's Hang Time with Denise Dinsai. Most recent episode, uh, 29, with Ayel Estranero. That's Volleyball Talk on the Globally Balling Network. You can catch uh, different articles, audio and video projects on globallyballing.com. Shows on YouTube as well, including An Eternity of Basketball. We're on YouTube. Almost all our episodes are uh, exclusively on YouTube, uh, except for the latest five, which are still on the Facebook page. So you must subscribe to our YouTube channel, the Globally Ballin Network, and Globally Ballin Southeast Asia as well. Follow that on Facebook because lots of clips from the different shows on the Globally Ballin Network, including AOB, are there. You'll find them on the Globally Ballin Southeast Asia page. Linktree slash Globally Ballin leads you to all of that. And that's the important link to have if you want to get to the rest. Okay, it's a holiday in Manila, in the Philippines. It's Labor Day, and what an appropriate guest we have on this day. I'm Charlie Kuna, together with Sid Ventura, as usual. And pinch hitting for Noel, uh, Noel Zarate is Jay Mercado, once again. So Jay's been on, you know him already. So Labor Day today, and we have with us one of the hardest workers that ever played in the PBA. You know, he did his work in the paint, got all those rebounds, made all those points, knocked everybody aside in trying to get to the basket. He called him, we called him Marvelous. Some called him Mighty. We know him by the nickname The Mighty Bucket. He never was best import in 1985 uh, in the PBA Reinforced Conference. Came back for two more tours of duty, a championship in 86 with the great Billy Ray Bates. In 87, came back as well for Hinebra and that start of the never say die era of Hinebra. So you guys love him. You want to hear his story, we'll dive into it right away. Welcome to the show, The Mighty Bucket. Michael Hackett, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me, thank you. All right, man, so we will just dive into it right away. Everybody wants to hear, of course, what you have to share with us. So let's go back to where it all started for Mike Hackett. In your bio on the internet, it says that you were born in Jacksonville, but that's not true, right? No, I was from born in South Carolina. That's right, Orangeburg, South, South Carolina. Carolina. That's right. right, so you're a South Carolina guy. How did you... Get introduced to the sport of basketball. How did it uh, interest you? What made you say, "This is what I want to do"? Uh, well, uh, I had a, my, my I had a cousin at the time, and his nickname was Poochie, and okay. uh, he was a pretty good. He was a pretty decent player, and I can remember being a young kid. Uh, he was probably about six three, six four and a half, and uh, you know he was a pretty decent shooter. 
And I remember as a little kid always asking him, hey, man, can I have your trophies? Because he won a lot of trophies. And he was like, no, I can't give you the trophies. But if you work at basketball, if you like it, I'll work with you. And that's when my love for the game started. How old were you when that happened? Uh, I think I had to be about uh, – so I probably had to be about uh, 12 – no, 10 or 11. That's when I first started. Had no clue. I can remember my first uh, couple of teams that I made. I wasn't very good. I, I can even remember uh, when I tried out for my seventh grade team, uh, I got cut because I couldn't make a left-handed layup. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> so so it didn't, I, I was kind of disappointed because I didn't make the team. But uh, my cousin said, don't worry about it. We're going to get you into the city league. And the mm -hmm. city league is kind of where I – you know, just develop my style of, you know, no harm, no foul. Because, uh, you know, they would just beat me to death and they would never give me a call. Never, I never got a whistle. So uh, I think that was just part of my mentality, no harm, no foul. And that just, you know, that just made me a better player. But did you, did you dabble in other sports when you were young? I mean, because in the States, you know, there's baseball, there's American football. Were you interested in that? Because you seemed like you would have been a good American football player as well. Yeah, well, I played, I played a little baseball. I was a catcher in baseball at first base. But, you know, that was just too slow. It was too slow of a sport for me. I mean, it was boring. And, uh, and then I played football, but I didn't like football because when my, when my parents would come to the game, they could never really identify me, even though I had a number on my jersey. You know, everybody's there with a helmet on. And uh, I was like, and I was a pretty decent tight end. But um, I was like, nah, man, nah, I'm done with that. I'm done mm -hmm. with it. All right. Jay. How tall were you at that time? When you were 12 years old, how tall were you? So, you know, I was probably around 6'1", 6'2". Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was I was a chubby kid. And, okay. uh, you know, I went away. Uh, my grandfather, they had a farm in the upper part of South Carolina, in the upper state. Mm -hmm. So I went away one summer right between fifth and sixth grade, and mm -hmm. I was on the farm. And at, on the farm, man, you know, you're up every morning at about 4, 30, 5 o'clock mm -hmm. because he had, you know, all the, all the livestock that was there. Mm -hmm. So as a result of being up so early, man, I lost a lot of weight. So all right. I, I lost the chubbiness, and then I, I found basketball. Mm -hmm. And you played center already at that time, or were you playing well, golf? Well, at that time, I was still trying to figure it out. Okay. I didn't have a very good shot, but I could go get a rebound. <laughs> okay. <laughs> did you have uh, siblings, like brothers, probably that you used to play against, or was it the, you know, how many of you in the family? As far as so the two of three, my my brother was the baby. Uh, mm -hmm. He he played basketball, but we never really played against one another. So okay. when I was growing up, I grew up in a neighborhood where everybody had older brothers. So once again, this goes to when I started playing basketball. You know, I would never get a shot. Everything I had to do, I had to go work for it. So that means I got to get a rebound. I got to get a steal. But nobody's running the play for Mike, you know. And, and then you can't complain when you get a foul because, hey, you're the youngest guy on the court. So mm -hmm. you just suck it up and you got to play through it. So, you know, yeah, once again, that no harm, no foul mentality, I mm -hmm. think that's how it developed. Yeah, and that's how you get better, man, because they win yeah, on you. And, uh -huh. Absolutely. That's right. And when, when did you start playing organized basketball? I mean, I know you were playing on the playgrounds yeah. and stuff like that, but but they organized. Was it when you were twelve? There was already tournaments that you were joining, or or was it so later on? Tournaments, but I was playing like in a city league, right? Mm -hmm. And in the city league, I I, I knew I was you know I I'd over kick. I, I I definitely punted my coverage. I, I was playing way over my head, you know. 
And at that time, like I said, every all the other kids, they were they were a little more developed than I was. They had better skills. So for me, I just put my head down and I just kept working. Uh, I had coaches who were fundamental guys. So, you know, you you gotta you gotta you gotta do this, you know. I mean, you gotta work on your footwork, you gotta, you know, you gotta work on your conditioning. Uh, you know, you just gotta play through everything. So the coaches pretty much set the foundation in terms of what it was gonna be for me. Uh-huh. In terms of the rules of the game, and I and I think I just took those rules of the game and just ran mm-hmm. with it, just kept working. I'm gonna tell you, it was a lot of hours in the gym. It was a lot of hours by myself. It was it was just a lot of hours where I, I, I'm almost saying it was like an obsession because I would sleep with the basketball, and you know, I my thing was I go to school and then I was either on a basketball court like my lunch periods I was in the gym. I was mm-hmm. shooting or I was dribbling or I was doing something. Um, and it was a lot of individual time that I just spent working, just working. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, like I, I, I'll tell these young kids today, if you're going to get good, you got to put time in. It's mm-hmm. not something that you can just pick up. Uh, you think that, hey, uh, you see LeBron and these guys do it and then they make it look so easy. But trust me, you don't see what goes on behind the scenes, the amount of hours that these guys put in. And it, mm-hmm. that's the only way you're going to become better at your craft, no matter what it is. I mean, even at uh, interviewing, you guys got to put in hours of work, man. It's oh, like, yeah. so, and you got to be relentless with it. So that's right. if there's one thing that I can tell these guys, man, is you got to put in the work in order to reap the benefits. Was there anybody that you that you idolized at the time already? That, that when you were starting out, you know, playing mm-hmm. in those city tournaments and all that, did, did you have anybody in the NBA that you liked or somebody in – in university, maybe in South Carolina, that you were that you wanted to be like. Well, you know, my 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 role model was Adrian Dantley because he was mm-hmm. he was six five. Um, mm-hmm. He could score. Uh, my other, uh, you know, besides Adrian Dantley, I like Paul Silas because okay. these guys, you know, they did all the dirty work, and mm-hmm. I mean, they were undersized, but nobody could really do anything with them. Mm-hmm. So, those yeah, are the guys yeah. that I looked up to. Uh, in terms of trying to emulate my game and, and what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. guys are both bangers. Go, JJ, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, was Sid, it Sid? Sid. Sid. Now, Mike, when did you first realize that you might have a future in basketball? Man, I looked at basketball as my way out, man. I, I mean, you know, I, I'm from a small town in the south. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, even though the city that I grew up in, it had a lot of uh, history. It had two historical black universities that were there: uh, South Carolina State College. Uh, which is, at the time, they were in the MEAC. They're still in the MEAC, the, Mid- the Mid-Eastern Atlantic Conference. And uh, I knew that I, I, I'm nothing against the HBCUs, but I knew that, hey, I didn't want to stay in my hometown. I, mm-hmm. I wanted to get out. I wanted to see the world. And I knew that basketball could possibly be that ticket to take me all over the world. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I realized that at an early age because I, I looked at all the guys that I grew up around and I mean, we had some super athletes, I mean, in terms of talent. Mm-hmm. But these guys, man, were just, they never made it out. They never made it out. And, and they were kind of the guys that also inspired me in terms of, they saw that I had talent and they kind of kept me on the straight and narrow as a kid, you know, hey, you need to go to school. Uh, there was no cutting, there was no cutting classes, mm-hmm. you know, uh, hey. <laughs> so it was truly a village that raised me to make me the guy that I am in terms of basketball and my hunger for basketball. It, it says here, it says here that uh, you won an Orangeburg State, uh, Boys State Championship. Is that is that accurate? Uh, absolutely, man. My, my senior year, 
So so we'll 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 dive into the story. So once I my my very first once I, I like I said I got cut from a, making the seventh grade team. Mm-hmm. I played in the city league that year, and my game just started to blossom. So I tried out the very next year for my ninth grade team. And I made the ninth grade team. And uh, the guys that were playing in front of me were were better athletes than I was. They were a little more advanced. So I was coming off the bench as like a sixth man. So right then and there, I knew that even coming off the bench as a sixth man, how valuable that position was. So, so So that taught me two phases of the game. You don't have to be a starter in order to be important or be efficient or effective. You know, you make the most of those minutes. And gradually, as you make the most of those minutes, you either get increased playing time or you moved into that starting position. So that taught me that, you know, don't worry about where I'm coming in. Just make the most of the opportunity when you do get in. Right? right. So, so I made that team and coming off the bench, so about – I'm probably averaging right around 10 points a game. Um, so there's one point in uh, probably about nine games, 10 games into the season, I come in because our big guy got into foul trouble, started messing up in school, whatever. I made the basket, a game-winning basket on a turnaround jump shot on the baseline. From that point on, I've never, I never sat on the bench again from that point on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Never yeah. sat on the bench. And you remember exactly when that started. Huh? When, when, oh, yeah. I mean, you, you remember stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. that was a pivotal moment in me for me. And uh, so from that point on, I, you know, I, every team that I played on from, from ninth grade was the ninth grade I played on junior varsity. The next three years, it was all varsity. My mm-hmm. senior year, we went 20, 26, 27, and one. We only lost one game my senior year. I was the 4A player. So 4A at the time was the biggest high schools in the state of South Carolina. So the way they would do it, 4A was the equivalent. We probably had 3,500 kids at this school. Uh And and that's how they based your rankings. Uh So 4A was the top league for basketball in the state of South Carolina. So I was the 4A player of the year. Uh, We lost only one game, won the state championship, I think my senior year, I averaged something like 28 and 12. Okay. Had had two other guys. Well, we had a total of five guys who all got scholarships, uh, and we all went on to have nice college careers. Great. That's great. Were you were you heavily recruited uh, because you yeah, were playing well, as you said, in your senior year? Were the, were the scouts coming, trying to get you, talk to your mom and all of that? So here's the crazy them. thing. <laughs> so for me – uh, being from South Carolina, there was only – if I was going to stay in South Carolina, I either wanted to go to the University of South Carolina, the Gamecocks, That's right. or I wanted to go to Clemson. So mm-hmm. Clemson called – well, they, they called – they came to a game, and then they called, and they told me – they said, well, what we want you to do, Mike, we, we understand that you're the 4A player of the year. We got all of that state championship. But what we want you to do is we want – at the time, the coach was a guy by the name of Bill Foster. So mm-hmm. I'm talking to him, and he says – Mike, what I want you to do is I want you to go to a junior college, Anderson Juco, uh, which is the, it was like their feeder program. So what, what Clemson would do back in the day is uh, if they had a player that they thought was a diamond in the rough, they would kind of hide you at the Juco mm-hmm. and kind of monitor your playing. So if you played well, then that next year they would offer you the full ride to come to Clemson. But mm-hmm. they would kind of hide you 
so that nobody else could really pick up on you. Mm -hmm. So when they told me that, man, I I, I, I I hung up, I said, I appreciate it. And I went outside and I cried like a baby because I'm like, these guys are telling me that I'm not good enough. Uh, and they want me to go to a junior college. I had the grades to get into school. I was like, man, I'm not doing that. I, I felt that that was just disrespectful. Considering I just played in an all-star game in the state of South Carolina and I won the MVP and I kicked the ass of the guys that were going to Clemson and Carolina. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I just I beat everybody up, killed them. So for them to tell me that, I felt really disrespected and I was just like, I was hurt. Uh -huh. and, and, and the University of South Carolina, at that time, they weren't really recruiting guys from the South. The coach of the University of South Carolina was a guy by the name of Frank McGuire. The late, mm -hmm. great Frank McGuire. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And Frank McGuire only believed in New York City players. So mm -hmm. he was the first guy that opened up that, that bridge to bring New Yorkers from the north, bring them down to the south. He did not believe in it, that, a, that a basketball player in the south could actually play at that level. Mm -hmm. So he didn't even consider me as a, as, a, as a viable candidate or student to come there. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I'm kicking all of these guys' asses in the state of South Carolina who, who's, who've committed to Clemson and Carolina. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was the fuel that was in my tank. I said, I'm going somewhere else. There were, there were several other schools. Uh, there was Louisiana Tech. There was Florida State. At the time, Florida State was known more for, bat, for football, football than basketball. All right, St. Louis. I mean, there were a bunch of schools like that. But I was like, nah, man, I don't really want to do the cold weather, right? I'm like, I, I don't want to go to St. Louis. Uh, you know, I was, I'm from the South. I want some warm weather. So Jacksonville University offered me a scholarship, and they offered me a full ride. And the coach, his name was Cates Lott. He was That's a right. former NBA coach for the Buffalo Braves back in the day. And, uh, you know, he said, Mike, you can come, I'll give you a full ride to come to Jacksonville. And I took that, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm in Florida. I'm not that far from the beach. They had, they were playing really. At the time, we were playing in the Sun Belt, which is a really good conference to play in. Mm -hmm. And not to mention, my parents would have an opportunity to see me play because the games are televised. So I was like, "Yeah, this would be the move." But once I was told that I wasn't good enough to play at Carolina or Clemson, and after I cried and got that lethargic moment out, it was like fuel in my tank. I was like, "I'm going to destroy everybody that I come up against." From Clemson, <laughs> South Carolina, it don't matter who I'm playing, I'm gonna kill them. Mm -hmm. And that was my mentality. Right, Mike, right. what what part of the game did your coaches tell you uh, that you were weak at, Len? No, they just thought because at that time, you know, I'm playing center and I'm going yeah, up yeah. against cats that are six, nine, seven footers, and mm -hmm. I'm killing these guys. Kill them. Mm -hmm. But they, they're saying you can't do that at the next level. Right. You know, we don't think you'll be able to do that at the next level. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, really? I said, yeah, and, and I and I would and I told him, I said, hey, your guy that you just signed, I just killed him in an all-star game. Uh, my mm -hmm. numbers were just when I played against him in the regular season. But you're giving this guy a scholarship only because he's tall? Mm -hmm. I told him that that would be a mistake. They regret that. They regret that. And then what did what did Tate's lock tell you when he when he recruited you? What did he say? What do I need from you, Mike? What did he what did he tell so you? So Tate just told me. I mean, it was. It, it wasn't like he was promising me a starting position. Like mm -hmm. a lot of these kids today, you know, hey, I don't go to a school unless they promise me something. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I was promised was that, hey, if you go to school, you get your books, you got a full ride for four years. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Now the opportunity is here for you, and it depends on how you, what you do with that opportunity. Right, right. So yeah. you know, he, I came in, and we had guys that were six nine, seven footers, six ten or better. But mm-hmm. at, at, at that power forward center position, hey, there was nobody that could do anything that I was doing. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, I just played my freshman year at JU. I averaged right at about 11 and a half points a game, <laughs> uh, you know, about seven, eight boards a game, and I'm playing mm-hmm. center. Yeah, that's right. So, in the four years that I'm in college, man, I score, I average double figures all four years. That's right. That's right. 11.3 as a freshman with eight rebounds a game. And the guy that led your team uh, in the freshman year was a guy named James Ray. James Ray. He was the third player picked by the Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. First round. Mm-hmm. So, what, what, you know, I'm playing what, what, with guys that are at that NBA level. Right, so, right. so, like I said, for me, man, it was just about number one. The fact that somebody told me it's something that I can't do, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm not good enough, that was fuel for me. I mean, and that fuel was probably lasting me. It's, it's still in me to this day. If you're telling me that I can't do something, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna show you that I can't. Mm-hmm. And then the well, you, James Ray stayed for your sophomore year. He was still there. He led the, the team in scoring your first two years, but but by your second year, you were already the second leading scorer on the team. And yeah. your team was doing well. Your team was doing well. You were uh, fourth in the conference in your freshman year, third in the second year. But then things dropped in the third year. The record went a bit bad. Uh, do you recall that that third, your, your, your junior year, Mike, when you did lead the team with, with about 12 points a game, but the record of the team went down? Is that because, uh, you know, because James Ray graduated, you had the too little help maybe from the other guys? You know, uh, you win together and you lose together, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I think it was just a moment of transition where, you know, we just had to try and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, I think that was at the point where where Tate's was kind of, as a coach, I, I think we lost, as, and I think he was fired. No, that, that was my senior year. So mm-hmm. just that third year, man, because Tate's was, you know, Bobby Knight was one of Tate's assistants. So I think he just wore everybody down, man, because, you know, Bobby Knight was a crazy coach, so – this is who Bobby Knight got his – this is how Bobby Knight modeled his game after Tate Slot. So, mm-hmm. so I, I just think, man, we were in a period of transition in that third year where mm-hmm. – and, and, and to your point, we lost James, and yeah. James was a, a 20-point uh, – you know, he averaged over 20 points a game, mm-hmm. and we just didn't have anybody to fill that void. That's but, right. you know, hey, like I said, I came out every night and gave it my best, man. That's all I could do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you had a new coach when you went to to your senior year, year you know. That senior year, you yeah. came in. He was assistant at uh, Duke, mm-hmm. and and my senior year by far was my best year, man. I I, I was double figures in the well, I was I I was in the top ten in the nation in scoring and rebounding my senior year. So mm-hmm. I averaged right over twenty points a game and over eleven boards a game my senior exactly. year. Exactly, that's right, that's right, exactly. Those were your statistics, and you did better that that senior year. You brought your team. Uh, the third in the conference and all of that, which led, of course, to, to your NBA state. Guys, anything to ask about the university days of, of uh, uh, Mike? Uh, did you have a mentor at that time? Who taught you how to play post-up, uh, despite the fact that you're like five, six inches uh, shorter than, than the rest? Yeah. You know, it was just it, it was just a, a, an innate ability. I, I, mean, all right. I mean, nobody actually said, hey, Mike, this is what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, it's just the way I, the way I, I grew up in terms of, you know, I was always playing against guys that were bigger than me. 
Mm-hmm. And, and back in the day, you know, it was really imperative that you knew how to play with your back to the basket. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, and, the, and I modeled my game after guys like I mentioned earlier, Adrian Dantley or Paul Silas. Mm-hmm. So, it, like I said, just being in the paint long enough, you learn how to move. Mm-hmm. And and I and I had pretty decent footwork. So, and the fact that I could use either hand, that that was also another strong point. Mm-hmm. So, so like I said, it was just a matter of just getting in there and and figuring it out. Okay. Yeah. Just. Uh, yeah, I have a question, Mike. But before that, I should like to inform everyone that the Celtics won in overtime yes. uh, over the Spurs yeah, after being down by 32. Yeah. Go okay, Celtics. Fine. No, Mike, uh, I just want to ask about the, the level of competition that you went up against in college, uh, Mike. Who were the memorable uh, players that you went up against? Uh, I mean, in the Sun Belt itself, man, we had a bunch of NBA players. Oliver Robertson, he was a guard from UAB. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had. They had a really nice team, big guys. I, I even played against Dennis Still when he was at South Alabama. Really? So I remember Dennis yeah. Still from South Alabama. They right, had right. a really tough team. Um, I mean, not to mention all the other teams. We played North Carolina. I mean, we played Wake Forest. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like we were playing scrub teams. We were mm-hmm. actually playing competitive teams. Right, right. And, and uh, you know, like I said, I, I think the greatest compliment for me came my senior year when we played in the UK UKIT tournament, which was the University of Kentucky's Invitational Tournament. Mm-hmm. And I was first team, uh, all tourney, uh, won the MVP. And Joe B. Hall, who was the coach at Kentucky at that time, he said that I was the best 6'5 player in the nation, the best 6'5 mm-hmm. center in the nation. Mm-hmm. All right. And so mm-hmm. Joe B. Hall, if he gives me that kind of uh, compliment, man, and all the players that he had. And, I mean, right. we're talking about a team at the time, Kentucky, Sam Bowie was injured. Mm-hmm. Mel Turpin was their starting center. Mm-hmm. They had Derek Hard, Dirk Minifield. I mm-hmm. mean, so uh, even Kenny Walker was on that team, Scott, Kenny Skywalker. Skywalker, so, yeah. So for me to go into Kentucky, go into Rupp Arena, and put up over 25 points a game in a, tur- in, in a tournament that's a three-day tournament, like I said, man, I put in the work. I put in the yeah, work. Yeah. Aside from Joe B. Hall, Gene Bartow also said that about you. You're the five player in America Absolutely. at the time, and he said in America. I mean, you know, right. not not and 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 the Adrian Dantley six five, and he was in the NBA at the time. But he said you're the best six five player in America. Right. So that says a lot, right? I mean, imagine right. there's a you know there's mm-hmm. there's an all star in, in the NBA who's about the same height, but he's saying you're better than that. So that's great, and obviously that that propelled you. There were some scouts already now from the NBA right. looking at you, watching you right. play at Jacksonville uh, University. They hadn't had a star from Jacksonville in a long time because, you know, the biggest star from Jacksonville was, was Artis Gilmore for Artis Gilmore, many right. years before. And then, you know, no, no one after him really shined that brightly. What did they tell you? That, you know, you were eventually drafted by the Lakers, but were any teams telling you, hey, we're probably going to get you, you know, maybe second round, third round? So I, I can remember. So what? You know, I was working a camp. I was working a, you know, when you were in school like that back in the day to, to pick up any additional money. I know things have changed considerably now, but a lot of guys in the summertime to make to make money, we would work basketball camps. Mm-hmm. So I was working a basketball camp at, at at Wake Forest, and when I got the call, I was and and you know, the summer camps, man. You know, if you go up and work a week or two weeks at Wake Forest or whatever, as many camps as you could 
you know, you pick up about five, six hundred bucks for a week of just, you know, working with campers, man. But I was at the, I was at Wake Forest camp and I got a call from Jerry West and he said, uh, you know, we're, we're thinking about drafting you. And I, I had to look at the phone. I was like, did you did you just say your name was Jerry West? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I went, yeah, Jerry West. <laughs> so, so I after after a momentary loss of thought, because here's one of the all the logo, I got the logo on the other end of this phone call. And <laughs> you know, understand me, this is before Zoom calls and all of this, right? So all you got is a telephone. And I'm like, I'm in the basketball office and I'm talking to this guy and I'm just like spellbound. I'm like, wow, I just I'm talking to Jerry West. And he said, Yeah, uh, we saw you play in a in a they used to have uh it was three tournaments that were really big back in the day. So mm-hmm. the first tournament when you when you were a senior in college, you would hope to get invited to the Portsmouth Invitational mm-hmm. Tournament. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, that was an all-star tournament that was held in Portsmouth, Virginia. So it would be first some first rounders, second round, third round, but that was a that was a, a tournament that you could get invited to. And if you did well in that tournament, you could you would move up in the draft. So I got invited to the Portsmouth Invitational, won the MVP at the Portsmouth Invitational. If you guys do your history and you do a fact check. You take a look at all the players, and I think that, that was 1982. You take a look from 83 on, every player that won MVP made it to the league. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so I won the MVP of that tournament. Then the next tournament that you'd want to get invited to was the Pizza Hut tournament that was held in Hawaii. So it was Portsmouth, it was Pizza Hut, and then it was a tournament in Chicago, like a, another all-star tournament. Okay. So if you did well in any of those tournaments, man, you know, your, your stock just went up tremendously. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. So so what's the Lakers? Did any other team contact you aside from uh, Mr. Logo himself? Mr. Logo was the only one, man. And after that, quite frankly, I didn't yeah. want to hear from anybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, of course, they had just, uh, you know, just won the championship. Right? They you know what I'm saying? The they just came off the chip. I mean, one of one of the one of the all time great franchises in the history of the game. You know, where where else would you want to be? Where else would you want to go? That's right. That's right. So the Lakers were there, but so eventually you did get picked at the in the third round, sixty seventh overall. I just want to go through that draft. Of course, that's a draft where where James Worthy was the first pick. But right. uh, in that same draft, Michael, some of your your. Uh, Co-PBA imports were drafted there as well at number 15 in the first round. David Thirdkill was drafted by Phoenix. Right. And then ended, then up, the ninth, ended up in Boston. Mm-hmm, that's right. Mm-hmm. And then eventually for Tandoy. And then ninth, on that 19th was Rob Williams. Right. Right. From he played for Denver from Houston. Right. And then in the second round, you had guys like uh, Dwight Anderson, who played for Shell. Right. And then Jose Slaughter was also right. picked at 43. And in the third round together with you, Mike Wilson played for Great Taste. Then Jerry Lee Eves, who played for Alaska, was drafted right. at 55th. And then in the fourth round, a guy named Walker D. Russell was drafted mm-hmm. by Detroit. He played for Presto, right? Right. And, yeah. and the PBA. So these are the, the imports, uh, you know, future PBA imports at the time who were drafted together with Michael Hackett in the 1982 NBA draft. Some memorable names, of course, among those guys. And some came in that 86 year. No, Dwight, Dwight Anderson was in 86, mm-hmm. uh, Rob Williams as well, and Mike Wilson. 
these guys played that year you won your championship in the in the PBA. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. So so how did it go? So you went to the Lakers camp after being drafted. So you know, uh, we we arrive, man, and uh, you know they fly you in. You know you you, you fly in first class. Uh, you get there. There's a press conference. You know, it's lights, cameras, action. Uh, it was funny because all the other uh, draftees were there. The only one that didn't show up was Worthy. <laughs> so, so, so we, uh, you know, we get indoctrinated to you know uh, an itinerary of what's going to happen, practice time. You know, you get a little media time, and uh, you know you're pretty much there in the city, and they give you this big conversation about, hey, you're now here in Los Angeles. There's nothing that you do in the city that uh, that that we don't know about. Uh, you know, you're representing not only the Lakers, but the city of Los Angeles. So they give you that pep talk uh, just to let you know, man, you know, hey, your eyes are on you. You may not know it, but people are watching. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they proceeded to give you a rental car. And, uh, you know, we were staying right next to the forum. At the, no, as a matter of fact, we were staying in Marina Del Rey uh, mm-hmm. at a nice hotel there. And uh, we would get up every morning and go into practice. You know, you learn. The crazy thing is you really have nobody to teach you how to be a pro at that point in time uh, because, you know, you got everybody that's trying to make it. Uh, so uh, when you're a first rounder, you got a little more, uh, you, know, you got a little more latitude in terms of the learning curve. Mm-hmm. But when you're a second rounder or a third rounder or, or back then, you know, the draft went 12, 13 rounds. Right, right. So uh, there's nobody that you can really talk to to try and walk you through the process of what it takes to be a pro, you know? Uh, so that was the interesting dynamic, man, because there was nobody that you could actually talk to. Right, right. Uh, and at the time, you know, like the coaches, you, you know, Pat Riley came in. I mean, Pat Riley would come into practice. I mean, he'd come in, hair slicked back, you know, with a <laughs> tennis shirt and tennis shorts on, looking like he just stepped right out of GQ, out of GQ at 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, and he's standing there, and the assistants are running around doing everything, and he's kind of just pointing out things. But it's not like you can come to him and say, hey, Coach, what do I need to work on, you know? Uh-huh. Like, who is this kid, you know? So so it was just an interesting dynamic, man. And, uh, uh, you know, once they – the business of it is what you look what – I, what I took away from it is because – uh, you know, once they weigh you in and they get all your measurements, and uh, I mean, it, it's I know with the way they, they they measure all of your the algorithms and everything that they study today, man, they can tell you how long they get an idea of how long you're going to be in the league. I mean, yes. they, they can take a look at a guy today and say, hey, this kid is going to be in the league for about four or five years, or this mm-hmm. kid is going to be they can project that. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they just they, they, they get all of those in, man, and then they they just throw the balls out. And if you don't have it, it's not where you're gonna. They're gonna give it to you. You mm-hmm. have to come with it. And, and the craziest thing, man, is like when you go in and you, 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 they roll out those balls, because when you first get into rookie camp, you may have a a guy, a vet that's been like a, a first year vet or a second year vet that's playing on the summer league team. Mm-hmm. So the guy that was playing our summer league team was Mike McGee out of Michigan. Okay, so the, the crazy thing is that guy has carte blanche. He can do no wrong. 
Uh-huh. He can jack it in any. He can jack up as many shots as he wants to. He can break the offense. They don't say a word to him. And the crazy thing is, you have to know is that he's trying to make a name for himself. So uh-huh. he's trying to get out, get up as many shots as he can. He ain't looking to pass the ball. I mean, you could be wide open <laughs> on the other end. He ain't passing. You know what I mean? So you just learn, but you can't do that. That that was the dynamic that you have to learn. And so if somebody's open, you got to pass it ahead because you can't come off, come across as being selfish. Mm-hmm. So like I said, man, it's a lot of learning that you have to do on the fly, and mm-hmm. you got seconds to make a decision and trying to figure stuff out because you really don't have anybody there to talk to. Right, right. Cool. Guys? Yeah. yeah, by the way, um, Mike Magia actually also suited up in the PBA yeah, that's right. at the uh, t- tail end of his career already. He didn't really last. He only and played for a couple of games because he early was 90s, right? obviously yeah, past his prime uh, when he came over here. But, but yeah, just can you talk more about it, that summer league? Uh, who were the players who went up against? And, uh, you know, going in, what do you think their chances were of uh, making the roster of the defending champions? Well, you know, I knew for well. Number one, summer league was. I mean, it was it was it was uh, the school of hard knocks, man. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I like I said, it's a learning curve that has got to be quick, yeah. fast, and in a hurry, man. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I was going. I played against uh, George Johnson. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I even played against Larry Nance with the Suns. Right. I mean, Wallace Bryant um, mm-hmm. was there. I, like I said, Clinton Daly was in the summer league. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, it's it's just talent-related. I mean, it, everywhere you look, there's talent, okay? But the crazy thing for me was I never felt like I was uh, – like it was overwhelming. Like, I'm like, damn, where I, I, I was thinking, do I really belong here? Mm-hmm. Because once again, that, that, once again, we go back to where it started for me when people were telling me that, number one, I should have never been there because if I had mm-hmm. listened to them – I would have never left uh-huh. South Carolina. Uh-huh. So for me, that fire was always burning inside that, hey, these guys, and, and my mentality before every game was, I don't care who it was, if this guy was a big-name guy that I was going up against, I would all my mentality was, I said to myself, Mike, this guy, he puts his uniform on just like you. One, I, he puts it on one leg at a time, right? And my mentality was, if I see a guy that can throw his uniform in the air and jump into it before it hits the ground, I'm impressed with that. Okay? <laughs> right. So I haven't found a guy, even the great Michael Jordan couldn't throw his uniform in the air and jump into it before it hits the ground. Okay, so <laughs> so I haven't found a guy to do that yet. So I, I'm not that impressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for me, it, it, you know, I wasn't cocky, but I was confident that I right. knew that once I got an opportunity, I, I, could, I could score buckets. I, mm-hmm. I could do it. So Can the you summer us- league was just like I said, man. You when you get in, it doesn't matter where you, you you have to you have to come into it with a clean slate and a clean mind. You mm-hmm. can't come in there with any expectation of when I'm going to play or how much I'm going to play. You just have to know that when they say lights, camera, action, they call your number. That's how you have to look at. It. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly how you. I'm, I'm on. Right, right. I'm right. on. Yeah, you, you don't have much time to warm up, right? You got to get in ready. You got to come yeah. in ready, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to come in ready. That's right. That's and, right. And, and a lot of people just don't understand that that meant that mindset of that mentality. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was just it was it was just exciting because, like I said, I knew once I got in the game, I was going to do something. So for me, you learn you start learning the players. Like you learn 
players who have to have the ball in order to be effective. So right. the beautiful thing for me was coming off the bench, I knew how to go get my own. You didn't have to run. You didn't have to run a play for me because right. I knew right. that number one, nobody was going. They're not going to make every shot, and and nobody can deny me from playing defense. Okay. So for me, I get in and create my own offense. And once you right. start creating your own offense, then you got then the other players on, on the team kind of give you that respect. So once I got that respect, you know, I got a few I got a few calls uh, plays called for me. But hey, I could go to the board and get boards, or I could get in the I could get in the passing lane and get a steal. Okay. So you know that was the thing that made my game so unique was the fact that at six five, uh, the big guys I could put it on the floor and go around a big guy if he came out to check me, mm-hmm. and a guard just didn't stand a chance because he was too small. <laughs> That's right. That you you just barrel right over him. Hey, Mike, there's a guy who who says hi. He's watching. Right now, his name is Coach Reno Salazar. He says, Mike, oh, that's my, my man. Dude, man. Tell I Reno, miss you. Reno, what's up, baby? That's my <laughs> guy, man. That's right. Yeah. So Coach Reno's watching this this episode right now. But but Mike, can you take us through the process? How long how long does it last? So you played in the summer league, and then then what, what do you go through till you finally find out whether you make it or not? All right. Okay. So summer league is probably about back then it was probably about 12 to 15 games. Mm-hmm. And, and and trust me. So when the first our first summer league team, we probably had it was funny. So when, when, so all the draft picks and free agents are there at the very first. Mm-hmm. So you probably start off with about twenty five guys back then, right? <laughs> so you got twenty five guys, man, and they're putting you through. The coaches are putting you through all these drills, and on a daily basis, that that or a weekly basis, that that roster is being chopped. Mm-hmm. It's being chopped down. So you start with 25, and by the end of two, by the end of a week, you may be down be, be, uh, just be, be, because of some guys are just going to be there and do dumb shit, and they get sent home, <laughs> <laughs> okay? Because <laughs> that's one thing they're not going to tolerate, okay? Mm-hmm. And then you got guys who just are not performing, and they get sent home. Okay. So it's always being cut down. So you really don't have time to really – breathe or say okay I, i'm doing it i'm making it right mm-hmm. you're always under that you're always under that threat that hey you go into the locker room and they tell you hey uh the train will come and tell you uh, the funny thing with the lakers in the first rounds of cuts you go to the locker and you open the locker everybody will start peeping in because if you had a a card in your locker that means you were cut okay <laughs> okay so so cats would come in and they would actually slowly open that locker <laughs> and see if that card was in the locker, man. So that was always kind of funny. Wow, okay. So they, and, they didn't even then, tell you personally. They didn't they, they they left the card and that that's it. You just knew they that. They left the card and the card meant you had to go in and see one of the assistant coaches. Okay, okay. All right. All right. And then that conversation was had, then they tell you, uh, you know, we appreciate you, da 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 da, but your <laughs> services are no longer needed. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, so it, it gets a little cutthroat. So if you last the entire summer league, you got about a you got about a week to just kind of breathe and say, okay, I'm ready for the next round. So the next round is then vet camp. Mm-hmm. So now this is when all the big, big names are coming in. Uh, you you know you got, got your Kareem, you you know you got Jamal Wilkes, you got Kurt Rambus. You know, you got you got all the guys who won the championship, 
You got Magic. You know, you got every, Norm, you got Norm Mixon. You know, you got all these guys that you've seen on television. <laughs> now, now you're out there with all of these guys, right? And, and most of the time, uh, and, and, and most of the time, you know, Magic was the one who was kind of running everything. Uh, I mean, you know, Pat Riley was giving instructions, but, you know, hey, man, Ma Magic, he was the one that was getting you in place. Mm -hmm. He was the one getting you in place. Wow. I I'll never forget, I, I came to the hole one time, and it taught me a valuable lesson I in, in a practice. I go down the middle, and I'm thinking that I'm going to, instead of just going hard, hard and fast, I try to, like, just get kind of cute with the shot. And, and Kareem met me at the rim, and he actually took me to the floor. I mean, I got slammed to the floor, right? And he looked at it and he said, welcome to the league, Rook. And, and from that point on, I learned that if you're going to do any move, that move has got to be quick and it's got to be fast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So okay. the whole pace of the game, when you get to the vet camp, is a whole lot quicker. It's a whole right, lot right. faster. Mm hmm that's nuts so, what you're telling us. You're telling us about Kareem and Magic and all that. I'm, I'm, I'm the one going crazy right now. Anyway, what's that there? You're going to ask something? Uh, no, you, you played in Venezuela in 84. What led you to Venezuela? So, yeah. uh, as I mentioned to uh, Charlie uh, when we did the test, uh -huh. back then, man, I was playing, you know, I, I laugh at these cats today who are talking about, uh, you know, clock management. I find that so funny, right? Because back then, Jay, I was playing almost 11 months 11 months or 11 months out of the year mm -hmm. so i would go to europe and play for seven eight months mm -hmm. i come back stateside for about a week and then i go to venezuela because venezuela was the best summer league at that time to be in so i could stay mm -hmm. in shape mm -hmm. and i can make money mm -hmm. and i'm sure that harold can attest to this uh in terms of how the, how, the, how competitive the leagues were in mm -hmm. venezuela and you had a lot of, I mean, you had great talent in Venezuela, man. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, the games that you were playing, I mean, you you play a, a week, you would play the best of the best of four on a weekend. So you go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you got three games and you got them back to back. Wow. <laughs> yeah, man. Lots and, of guys and, nowadays would sit out the second or third game. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and back then. Uh, you were you were the only American that you know would be two Americans on the team, and man, you know you knew what your responsibility was, right? You couldn't mm -hmm. foul out, and you had to play the best player, which is normally an American. You had to play them the last three four minutes of the game. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, and that's when that's when it got really heated because now you got to shut that American down. Mm -hmm. I mean, man, we had cats over there like Michael Britt. Uh, we had. Uh, uh, we had another guy by the name of Al Smith. Uh, mm -hmm. We had, uh, like I said, man, it was, it was so many guys who came, Harold Keeling. I mean, it was so many guys like the Danny Pearson. I mean, it was so many cats that if I, if I, if I sit back and think about it, who were NBA, NBA caliber players that would come over there and just play. Mm -hmm. and, and like I said, man, you're playing in Venezuela. So, number one, you know it's hot as hell. And, and most of the gyms that they had, didn't have air conditioning. So, mm -hmm. man, you're talking about sweating. Oh, my God. And you're talking about <laughs> staying in shape and losing weight, man. It, it, so, for me, that was my that was my routine. Mm -hmm. Go to Europe, come home for about a week. Then I go to Venezuela for three, four months. After the season was over, come back stateside for about a week, and then I'd head back to Europe. 
And I did that for about nine years, nine, ten years. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. You had, a, you had a short stint with the CBA as well, you were telling me the other day, Sarasota? Yeah, I played for, mm -hmm. for the late, great Bill Musselman, who was crazy as hell. Mm -hmm. uh, he <laughs> was crazy as hell. Uh, I thought, you know, Bobby Knight was crazy, but Musselman was crazy to a whole nother level. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, he, he, would, he would get in your face and try to intimidate you. And, and I think, you know, I, I averaged probably about 17 a game in Sarasota, but I think the thing that got me out of Sarasota was the fact that uh, Musselman was going off on, on one of these on one of my players. His name was Billy Allen, and mm -hmm. Billy Allen was a little point guard. His father was Sonny Allen, the coach at SMU back in the day. And Billy was a point guard, pretty clever little point guard. But Musselman was lighting in his ass. You know, uh, I mean, he he went really personal. Like, you know, Billy, can't you stop anybody? You know, you're you're cut. I mean, he. Stuff that he's saying then would not be used today. Okay, let's just—it'd be a lawsuit today. I mean, he's just going in on Billy, and and I can see that Billy was just—I mean, he was just withdrawn. I mean, he just—I mean, it just dampened his spirit. Hey Mike, Mike, there's a there's a friend who wants to say hi to you. Oh no! Oh, no. oh no, brother! What's up, brother? My brother! My brother! What's happening, man? Where have you been? I've been looking for you. Man, look here, man. I, it's been a journey, my brother. It's been a journey. It's been a journey. You know, you owe my son a lot of gifts. I know, man. I know. I'm a godfather. I know this. I know this. Hey, Charlie, this guy doesn't understand the whole Ninong process. Yeah, you know, you have to explain. You have to explain to him. You got to tell you him need, about that. You need to explain to him. Michael. We miss you here. Basketball has not been the same. Uh, I don't know of any other six five guards who are making a name for themselves the way you did. Just so you know, Michael, I also had a stint with the Magic Johnson. Thank you very much. Look at that! Look at that! Are you still are you still making records, man? <laughs> still making <laughs> records, but I think they're called what are they called now, Charlie? Not records. They're not called. Uh, they're just uh, songs on streaming. On yeah, you're just streaming, streaming, streaming music. I'm learning as streaming we go music. along. Well, right. well, first of all, first of all, welcome to Martin Rivera. Thanks for thanks for dropping in, Jay Mercado, Sid yeah. Ventura, and, and I are very pleased to have Hi, you here on our show. Hey guys, of basketball. We know we know about your relationship with Michael Hackett. That's why we invited you to come in. And and mm -hmm. you know, Aaron, Aaron, you have a picture there that that shows the passion of Martin Rivera. In his close relationship with with Michael Hackett, can you show it to us, Aaron? Can, can you can you flash that photo? That look at that, look at, look that. at that photo. That's Martin tearing open his shirt to show the double zero. And that's, Martin that's, says, "That's my guy right there, man. That's, right. that's my guy." Do you so you every time you remember those you, days, yeah. Michael? Yeah, exactly. You Absolutely. 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 Hey, I remember all the I remember all the meals we used to eat in Jade Garden. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we we stop there, Michael. After Jay Gard, there's no yeah. you don't say anything else, okay? Okay, all right, okay, all right. How about how about the next photo, uh, uh, Aaron? Yeah, this one. See, these are the you two guys in the party somewhere. What are you guys talking about here? No, that was at his huh? show, man. That's oh, that's the show, penthouse. Right. Okay, what a memory. Yeah, yeah. So he remembers, and then look at you. Uh, what are you guys talking about here? Probably girls. I'm not really sure. More than uh, More than yeah. <laughs> Yeah, more than likely. <laughs> more than you know, guys. I don't know if you know this, but Michael was in a movie with me. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, right. That's right. Right. That's right, Aaron. 
Shoot that yeah, ball, baby. Aaron. Shoot that ball, baby. But what, what did you Aaron. do? You left the country. You left before you could dub your voice. So I don't know if you know this, Michael, but I had to dub your voice. Really? Oh, really? Okay. So I had to talk like this. I talk like, a, you know, a brother with a low, low voice, you know, and I couldn't. And I, the only thing that I could get, the only thing I could get was Michael's laughter. He's got this. There he is, Mark. We have a clip of that, actually. We have a clip of shit. Yeah, we have a clip. Ball. Come on, Aaron, you have yeah, the. He can go through you. Oh, he can do what he does best, right? <laughs> There you are. You know the guy you're guarding, a senator now. That's crazy, man. That's the Pusa versus the Aso. That's right. Yeah. That is crazy. That was no, when's the last time, see you. Uh, Martin, when's the last time you guys saw each other? You and man. Oh my God. Was in the 80s, the Philippines? Man. Those in days. The 80s. The, the 80s, that's right. And, and then Michael left, and then I, I lost touch. We didn't have any of this email and We didn't have any of that. What's that? No. Okay. Well, now you, you know, I'm going to give you Michael's number so you can tell your, your son to call him up and ask for all the, the, the gifts that, are, that haven't come in the past 20, 30 years. You, you want to know how long it's been? My son is 33 years old. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I remember when Pops was pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> That's, wow. Wow. Those were the yeah. days, my friend. You look great. You look thinner than you did during the PBA. Well, I tell you what, I tell you what man. Uh, what I've done is for about the last 35 years, I've been a pescatarian, which means I don't eat any meat, just fish and vegetables. Uh, I'm an avid cyclist. So I do about uh, 30-some-odd miles a day I'm on, on my wow. bike. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. No wonder. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You look, look great, buddy. So do you, man. Wow, bro. This is crazy, man. This is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy, man. Wow. It's like, I'm like, I like when this I smile, call, both of you. Michael, when I got the call for a, a basketball interview, I said, me? Um, <laughs> but uh, in, in my experience of knowing this, this, this gentleman, Michael Hackett, there's one thing he loved more than basketball, and that's Filipinos. He loved the crowd. He loved playing with the crowd. He was a showman, but he was very respectful for the, you know, Filipino values, uh, being respectful. You've never read any crap on him, you know, that I know of. Is there any crap on him? I've not read any crap. It's all been good. We might find out some during the show. We'll find out oh, later, maybe. Please, keep, keep searching, because this guy, I, I doubt if you can find any crap on this guy. He's always been such a gentleman, such a good man. Of course, the women love the little tushy. When he'd play basketball, we'd just wake him for his ass to be jumping up and down, you know? They're all looking. Even a couple of gentlemen as well, you know? Oh, my God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the short Remember? shorts, too. And the short yeah, shorts. Yeah, short shorts. Which was, you know, I was, were you all there during this time that Michael scored? Is it over 100? 101 points? 103. 103, 103 points. No. Yeah, I went to the bathroom, the, the, the last one. Well, you know, what's funny, uh, Mark, Mark, is that when Charlie, when he called me, I told him, I said, man, it's it's just so humbling 
that, that the people still remember me, man, and I greatly appreciate that, man. And, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate it. And like I said, I, I bonded a lot of, made a lot of great relationships. And it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm just tickled pink to see you, man. I, I, wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm tickled to see you. Wow. We got to keep in touch now. How did, the two of you, how did the two of you become close to each other? Yeah, yeah. Well, he was a big fan of Inebra. And, uh, and he actually came He actually came into a couple practices. Okay. I don't know if you remember that, because I, I forget the school that we used to practice at. But you came over, and, uh, you know, we started playing a little one-on-one. And, and I just think we, we just, you know, I, I don't think – I think for the fact that I wasn't like one of the typical asshole Americans that were, that came over, that we had <laughs> we just had a cool relationship, you know. Uh, and I just think as a result of that, we bonded. He had a TV show. He invited me over, and then it went a little further for the fact that we spent a lot of time together outside of basketball in terms of going to restaurants. I mean, I met his dad. I mean, you know, I got invited out to the house. Okay. So, like I said, it was just a relationship that that, that blossomed. blossomed. Amazing. I think, I think, guys, I think that uh, Michael gravitated toward me because of the English factor, yeah, and that, right? Yeah. That right, helped. Right. That helped a lot. We both liked burgers at the time. At the time. Uh, yeah. At the time, <laughs> we would, you know, we, and we just had so many things in common. It's, it's almost like we were brothers from another mother, kind of a thing, you know. Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. just, we just clicked so well, and uh, not too many people know. That some of your PBA players are your fans, but they're real mm. people. You know, they, right. they 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 cut the same way that we do, and and uh, they have dreams like we do. And in, in Michael's case, he's followed every dream, he's pursued every dream, and now he is the one and only Michael Hackett. That's right. That's right. And, and then you were yeah. saying, Mike, that you know you're amazed that people still remember you. Well, they do remember you very, very well because of. The hard work that you'd put in. And as I said, it's Labor Day today, and you're the perfect guy to be on the show. A hardworking guy like thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It's and, greatly appreciated. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. So I'm going to put you guys I'm going to put you guys in touch for sure. Martin, I'll, I'll give Please. you his number and all of his email and Absolutely. all that stuff. Yeah. So you guys can, can catch yeah. up. And, and yeah, your son really have to have to claim everything that he that he has to. 33 you know. years of whatever. <laughs> it's crazy. Like I said, I remember when Pops was pregnant with him. I held him in, in, in these big hands. He looked like, I mean, he looked like a, a, a little, a little baby. I mean, not even a baby, like just a rag in my hands, man. Wow. Yeah. Let's just, let's just Ram, right? Or Robin? Robin, Robin. Robin, Robin. Right. Robin. okay. Our okay, firstborn. And if you did yeah. go to the ultra, if you if you were, uh, you know, the fans who are listening now, the followers, if you were in the ultra back in 86, 87, you would see Martin there all the time. Yeah. Whenever the chain never game, I remember that. So, yeah. And I would wait. We would wait until Michael would make, because Michael would, he definitely would score more than 30 points, 20, 30 points. Mm -hmm. So we're waiting mm -hmm. for, I can't do that on the second basket or the fourth basket. So I'm waiting and waiting for Michael to make that magical moment. And when he does, he never had zero, zero on my back. It was, it's the best. It was like, and you go like up to the bleachers, right? Is that right? Right in the bleachers. The right. Right yeah. There. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, he would be, be in the middle of all the fans. I mean, it was just, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. Crazy. Different world now, though. Different world. Yeah. We didn't have these bubbles that we have do that we have now. I would wish, mm -hmm. and I'm sure all Hinebra and all PBA and all basketball fans wish that we can go back to that time 
Oh, yes. When you hear that guy out there, hack it, hack it, hack it, hack it. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 You know the guy. I miss yeah, those days. Cool. And we miss you, Michael. We thank you for your, for your basketball, your humility, uh, and the fact that you still remember us Filipinos here and, and all the people who made you what you are. I mean, who helped make you what you are. Oh, you didn't need us. You didn't need absolutely. us, but you brought us with you. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. yeah, amazing. Mark, Martin, can I just say you look great? You know, it's like you haven't aged at all. No. Yeah. So we're, yeah. we're fanboying here too, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah. we did sing some of your songs back in the day. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Well, Michael I'm, almost sang, you know. He almost sang in my remember the Christmas song that I did? And you were yeah, the you almost got me to sing, but Christmas like, won't be the same without sang, you. And we said, you know, the, yeah, exactly, exactly. Christmas yeah. won't be the same without you. And when we heard him sing, we said. It's good you play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, you're gonna thing. say something, Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm looking at the uh, at the FB page, no, of AEOB. This is the first time I think we have so many multiple women actually uh, posting and writing about you, and that's because of you, Martin. Really? <laughs> that's right. Me about Mike too, but yeah, mostly about Martin. Yeah, hi Martin. Hi Martin. Martians. <laughs> yeah, hi Martians. Oh yeah, Martians. Hi, Ma it's the Madman. They're saying hi, the Madman. Yeah, so, right. okay. yeah, so Madman really sounds better, but some of my fans call themselves Martians. There you go. They're out <laughs> of this world. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, great for them, man. But, but you know, like I said, I'm gonna get you. I make sure you guys continue Please. this uh, this reunion. We appreciate it, Martin. Thanks to Joy also for, Thank for you. arranging this. Thank you, brother. Uh, Good seeing you, man. Thank you, Michael. I love you. I remember love you. you. I we honor you this day. Keep in touch we'll with all of us. And I'm, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna say I'm feeling close to Mike Martin. I'm gonna say Martin. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> all right. God bless you guys. Stay, stay safe. Right, so Thanks again, brother. Love you. So, Mike, how are you? I'm good, man. <laughs> hey, hey, Charlie. That's man. I'm telling you, I haven't seen this cat in wow, thirty some odd plus years, man. Wow. Well, I just thought it would be a great idea because the fans yeah. were saying, "Hey, wasn't he the godfather of Martin Sun?" I said, "Yeah, that's true." Yeah. So yeah, yeah. we we uh, called some people and we made it happen. So and I'm going to give you his number later and all of that, so you, cool. you guys can can get in touch. But anyway, so we, we you know we're, it's halfway through the show. We're just going to take a short break to remind everybody, Aaron, mm -hmm. that uh, that we are part of the Globally Balling Network. Can you get to that right now, Aaron? The the, the slides. We're part of the Globally Balling Network, uh, AOB. There's a show, their next episode, the episode 45, it's already posted. It, it has a, some guy named Charlie Kuna as the guest on, on who the heck are we. So watch that episode if you'd like to little, little, uh, know a little more about me. And the most re recent episode for Hang Time with Denise Densai is with Ayel Estraniero. That's Volleyball Talk on the uh, Globally Balling Network as well. And then we have uh, the Globally Balling Network. Lots of other stuff there. Check it out on globallyballing.com. We are on YouTube. Check out our episodes on YouTube. You have to subscribe to our channel over there to catch most of our past episodes. And then we have the Globally Ballin' Southeast Asia Facebook page. You have to uh, follow that as well to look for some of the uh, tidbits. And the link tree slash globallyballin.com takes you to all of that. We are powered by San Miguel Corporation. This is an Eternity of Basketball episode 78, the Labor Day episode with Michael Hackett. I'm alone because my two guys are, are taking their break, but... Mike, so we talked about Venezuela and Europe after the NBA didn't work out for you at the start. And then first, you know, through some stroke of fate, you end up in 1985 uh -huh. in the PBA. 
How did this happen? So at the time, I had an agent by the name of Gilbert Glass. He was out of New Jersey. And uh, I, I, I just gotten back from Europe. And uh, he was like, Michael, do you, what do you know about the Philippines? I was like, I don't know much about it. He said, they have a really good league there. I said, okay. He said, would you be interested in, in, in going? I was like, yeah, I'd love to go. And uh, he said, well, the only thing is you got to do a tryout. I was like, come on, man, a tryout? He was like, yeah, you got to do a tryout. He said, the uh, coach, uh, he said, the coach of the team is in Philadelphia. And uh, we, we, gotta, we, gotta, we got some guys in the gym. And, uh, you know, if you go in and do your thing, uh, I'm sure you'll be able to go to the P.I. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm game. Let's take it on. So I get to Philly, not knowing who Jaworski is, not knowing anything about him. I get to Philly, we're in this gym, and, man, it's, you know, it's, it's a bunch of – like, Lewis Lloyd was one of the players there, former former NBA player, uh, and there were some other cats that had either played in the league or, you know, played at a, at a high level in D1. And and then there was Jaworski. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, I knew he was different because he looked different from everybody else, right? <laughs> so, uh -huh. you know, so – but – you know, I'm saying to myself, so who is this cat, man? You know, so I, we get out, we start playing, you know, we we doing our thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, Sonny starts going in. I mean, like, he's he's giving these guys the business, right? <laughs> so I'm like, this cat can play, man. This guy can play. So he's like, okay, I want you to get it on the box. You know, go in. So, you know, we, we're running clear outs. He gets it to me on the, on the post. You know, I make my move, I do my thing, or I kick it back out to him. He's knocking down shots. And, uh, I mean, it was just like we had a great rapport. I mean, it, it was like just unspoken unspoken language, you know. And, and basketball can sometimes, when you're at a, when you're at a high level of basketball, it's, a, it's an unspoken language, okay? Mm -hmm. I don't have to tell you what to do, where to go. You just know you, you're in the right spot. And that's how it was with me and Sonny. We just we just clicked right off the bat. And uh, he was like, hey, I, I'm going to bring you to the Philippines. And I was like, okay, when, when am I leaving? He was like, you can leave it today. <laughs> so, so I was like, hey, man, I got to go back, get some clothes. And then so turnaround time was about two to three days, man. I went back to Florida, got my stuff, and I, and I flew out to the PI, man. Uh -huh. And uh, like I said, when I got there, I mean, I got off the plane, and he took me straight to a gym. And, and we – man, I'm talking, you know, you know that's a long flight. And uh, straight to the gym, and I, I'm in a Hanever practice. Uh, Reno comes over, introduces himself. And, and the players were kind of standoffish at first, you know. they And, and, I, and, and for rightfully so, because, you know, they don't know me. They got to try and figure it out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can just say after the first practice, man, by the end of the practice, I had everybody coming over talking. So, uh -huh. you know, right, right, uh, at that right. time it was Mike at Vani. Uh, uh, we had uh, Don Dong, Apple. Uh, Apple Ayo, yeah. I had, yeah. We had Mama Real as a center. Mm -hmm. uh, we had Terry Saldana, who I used to call Plastic Man. Because okay. he can stretch his he can stretch his body in so many crazy positions. I mean, right, he wouldn't he wouldn't get off the floor very high, but in terms of the angles that he could he could talk his body, 
I mean, he was just like classic, man. I, I mean, he was a mm -hmm. great player in terms of being able to just, uh, you know, shape his body in terms of getting shots off. Well, what, mean, what, were your, what were your expectations, Mike? I mean, did, did they tell you that you were going to be playing practically 48 minutes a game, had to score maybe 30 points at least and get 20 rebounds every game? Yeah, well, you know, Charlie, you, hey, from being from every other place that I played, I knew mm -hmm. you had to put up numbers. It's mm -hmm. a little different today. You know, I, I talked to some of these young cats who are playing, and they tell me, I said, so what, what did you average? Man, you know, I'm averaging 12, 13 points a game. I'm like, dude, and you kept a job? <laughs> and you kept a job? I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, man, 12, 12 points, I usually have to have that before the end of the first quarter. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, so I'm just like, you know, you got 12 points. And I'd ask him. He said, yeah, I had 12 points. I said, was that for the entire game? <laughs> like, yeah, for the entire game. And I said, like, you kept a job? Because back then, man, if you scored those kind of points, it was a guarantee you were going home on the next bird smoking. There's mm -hmm. a guarantee. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, guys. So, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I find out. Uh, Ricky Dinosa, uh, one of your teammates back in 85, is currently watching you uh, right now. Oh, Ricky man, what's up, Rick? What's that's up, right. Rick? That's right. <laughs> you ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. In 85, Hinebra wasn't yet the most popular team back then. You were one of the more popular teams back then. No? But did you actually have an inkling already that you actually were joining or actually joined a team that was going to be this massively popular that until today, Hinebra remains to be the most popular team in the PBA? Hey, Jay, you know, when, when you get into uh, the Ultra, man, and you got 20-plus thousand fans screaming, uh -huh. Hey, bro, it don't take you don't have to be a rocket science to know a scientist to know you're on the most glamorous team in the league, yeah, you know, right. the most popular <laughs> team, uh -huh. you know. So, uh, and 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 back then, man, you know, we would travel outside of Manila, and I mean, mm -hmm. man, it was you know, we'd be on uh, on trucks like open back trucks, mm -hmm. and we'd drive through neighborhoods, man. And I mean, it would be like both sides of the streets were just filled with people, like we, I mean, it was almost like a presidential escort, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> Crazy. So, you know, we I, I knew the power uh, of the popularity of the team that had never had, man. I knew okay. that. Uh -huh. Yeah. But, yeah. I, but I mean, yeah. prior to coming to the country, I had no clue. All right. I had no clue. Right, right, right. So you got to see it. Yeah. Sid. What, what did you think of the PBA style of play when you finally hit the court? Well, you know, one thing I love the fact that, uh, you know, outside of the at that time, outside of the NBA, that was the only other professional league. Because mm -hmm. you played the same 12-minute quarters like they do in the league. You had the same fouls. You know, you had the same three-pointer. Uh, I mean, everything was first class. I mean, the floor, the gyms were immaculate. I mean, I mean, when we played in ultra, I mean, the fan support was there. I mean, like I said, man, you, it's almost like you died and went to heaven if you were playing in the PBA and you couldn't play in the NBA. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just going to keep it real. Uh, to have that kind of that kind of celebrity and and just be adored by fans, man. Especially if you're receptive and and humble, 
Because it's oh. one thing that I learned, uh, you know, humility always wins. Well, you know, and I think that that was one of the things that endured me with the fans. You know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I actually took time to answer all of, like anybody who sent me fan letters, because I got bunches of fan letters, man. I would actually hand write thank you, you know, and, and send it back to them. So, like I said, it's just little things like that in terms of being appreciative uh, mm -hmm. of the support, man. It, it, I think it's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm, I, I'm still loved by the people in the PI. Is that is that your relationship with the fans in that way? Is that something that you already had in you? Or, or did uh, Sonny Jaworski have some influence on you? Because he was he's known to be the guy who would stay mm -hmm. and yeah. sign everybody's autograph and, and shake everybody's hand and all of that. Did, did Sonny influence you in any way? Or were you already like that and then you both just clicked? And stayed with the I mean, like I said, man, I, I was already like that. I mean, mm -hmm. even when I was in, in in the states, I mean, you know, I would take time to talk to uh, talk to my the, my fans. You know, mm -hmm. get them an autograph. Even if I'm leaving the gym, I would still take time to you know just take a photo, sign an autograph, whatever. You know, because like I said, man, without them, without their support, then what do you have? You have nothing, right? right you right. got a guy or you got a lady who. We're spending their hard-earned cash to come and see you, and the least you can do, man, in turn, is in my mm -hmm. humble opinion, is the least you can do is take time to just say thank you. Right, right, Mike. We have some photos uh, from your career. We're just gonna flash them, and then you can tell us if you remember <laughs> any any memories that that, that uh, come to mind whenever whenever you Charlie, see them. I got Aaron. a pretty good memory, bro. There you go. You remember yeah, this that's guy? Me post, that's me posting up Norman Black. That's right. 80, 85, uh, 87, yeah, 85. Yeah, I, and I, probably, because I probably got an and one book. on that book. He was too small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I did tell him you're the guest today, and he said, "Yeah, you know, you were you were magnificent, and then you were really tough to stop." Is is exactly what Normal Black, Coach Normal Black, he still coaches in the PBA till today, by the way. And yeah, yeah Norman, Norman, I gotta say, man, was probably one of the classiest guys I met, man. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, never never complained. Uh, mm -hmm. Just played the game, played the game the right way, man. So you know, my hats off to Norman, man. Class his son, his son is already playing in the league. That's right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Playing for his dad, so he, he's, yeah, yeah, he's playing for his he's dad. coaching his son. Does he, does he have the jump shot like his dad? <laughs> well, he plays you know, guard. Yeah, he plays guard. He's got, he's got a three-point shot, which okay. Norman didn't have. Right, but Norman can knock that mid-range jumper down. That's uh -huh. right. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. With that form of his, right in front of his face, like that. Right in front of you. That's right. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> He still looks the same, by the way. Still got the same. Right, cool. Yeah, he's in pretty, pretty great shape. What's the next and photo? Tika J, you were gonna ask something. No, in oh, Williams, that's right. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, that, that's, that's Rob Williams. He took Rob the Williams. ball away from you, man. He took the ball away from you, Mike. Yeah, he probably came up behind me, man. You know what can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know that this is this was a familiar sight back when you were playing here. You were always on the floor. I was always protect... on the floor, man. Yeah, I was yeah. always on the floor. You know, right. um, but I wasn't flopping like these guys do today. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, what do you remember about Rob Williams? Uh, great shooter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, had a great college career mm -hmm. uh, at, at Houston. Uh, but a little bit on the crazy side, but, but, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> just a little bit on the crazy side, but uh, he was a great, a little bit. really good player, man. Really yeah, good player. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, yeah. he's left us already. Go, Sid. What, what, what can you say about the physicality of the league, Mike? Were you taken by surprise or were you, were mm -hmm. you already expecting it? 
Hey, Sid, you know, I like I said, I was brought up no harm, no foul. So that was perfect for me, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, was it physical? Yeah. Uh, and, and, I mean, it, it worked. Like I said, man, I, I had no complaints in terms of, you know, the fouls. Um, you know, no, I, I don't think I really ever got ejected or any technicals or anything yeah. like that. I just, like I said, it, if you fouled me, just know that I was coming back at you even harder. That's all I was going to tell you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. because a lot of imports, uh, you know, even today, they react negatively whenever they, they get hit. You know, they, yeah. they complain about, you know, this league is too physical. But yeah, yeah. I never saw that from you, no. you know, during your three no. years you were playing here. No, I mean, for me, man, like I said, if you got me, trust me, I was going to get you back. You know, <laughs> and that's right. one thing that I learned from Sonny. You know, Sonny took a lot of he took he took a lot of shots, Right. But there was always some way back in the game where he was going to get that per that person who committed that foul. <laughs> he was going to get you back some way, okay? All right, so I, that was one of the things that I picked up from him. Man. That's, that's, that's what our past our past guests have said. That anybody who faced yeah. Sonny Jorsey, that's what they said. If you hit him once, he'd hit you back for sure. So. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I can remember that time we were playing a game and. He went to the bucket, man, and I mean, these, they laid him out. I mean, one took him high, one took him low, and I mean, busted up his lip. I mean, he had to leave, and I think he had to get like 12 stitches, right? Mm -hmm. So you would think the average guy, after getting 12 stitches, they're done. Not him. He went out and got stitches, and he came back and finished the game. Right. So, like I said, man, he was just a real bulldog, man, a real bulldog. Jay, I'm yeah. sure you want to talk about that game, Jay. And that's yeah. right. That's a, that was October 22, 1985, actually. It was the second round of the PBA Reinforced, uh, mm -hmm. Reinforced Conference, right? That's right. That was against NCC, the national team. You were right. up against Dennis Still and uh, and the rest of the guys, Jeff Moore, Hector Kalman, and everybody else. So, um, at that point, there was struggle somewhere along the way. You were struggling trying to find a way to um, to score against NCC's uh, vaulted defense, no? Uh, until that incident happened, what what actually, uh, how significant was Jaworski's return to the basketball court that led you to that victory? Because, you know, hey, Sonny, the thing about him, man, is, you know, I, I always I always could appreciate the fact that he would never panic. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, he, he would just say, hey, we, you know, just keep doing your thing. And he was the guy who kind of held us together, right? Mm -hmm. So when he went out, you know, it was like, 20,000 fans were like, it was like the air was being let out of the ultra, right? That's right. That's I, I right. mean, it was just like, you know, people were like totally devastated. I mean, it was almost uh -huh. like that Willis Reed moment coming back for the Knicks. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it's like he comes back in, the crowd erupts, and now the spark is back with Hanebra. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I, I mean, I think he had a flair for the dramatic as well. <laughs> <laughs> well he was an actor. You know that. He was an actor. Oh, absolutely. Well, well his father-in-law was an actor. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ramon, Ramon Revilla, yeah. Yeah, Ramon yeah. Revilla, right, right. Did you yeah, he got a pretty good memory, man. Yeah, he, he came back, but, you know, it wasn't just his presence. He actually scored a lot of points in That's the right. fourth quarter. That's even with the bandage. Even with the bandage. He could hit that three, um, mm -hmm. and, and, and by him hitting that three, that was a, that enabled me to open up on the inside. That's right. That's right. Because that's right. most of the time, you know, I'm getting doubled and tripled on the posts. So a lot of people don't, you know, don't really realize that, you know, most of the time I'm going up against two to three people. Mm -hmm. And because right. uh, Sonny was able to hit that J, 
uh, open up the, you know, hit the perimeter shots. That opened up the inside for me to allow me to do my work inside. And that combined was a catalyst for us to come back and win. That's right. That's right. That Let's also gave the other guys on the team confidence to start shooting their shots as well. That's right. You know, I think right. Ivani hit a couple shots. Don Don made a couple shots. So everybody at, a, at, at some key point in that run made crucial shots. Chito, he did his thing. He got a couple steals. So, yeah. you know, we were able Francis. to make that run, but it was all ignited by, you know, by Jay. You know, before we talk about this matchup uh, on, on, on the photo right now, you know, are you familiar with the, with the saying, never say die? Oh, absolutely. And you know, that's, that's, that's what they say, the Hinebra team has always been the never say die team. That's the game when never say die, they say started, when Jaworski was out for the hospital, came back. And then until now, the fans, the Hinebra fans still say that whenever they're trying to catch up or they're, they're, you know, they're battling in the fourth quarter. It's never say die until now. So it's lived on till now. That one game of Jaworski mm -hmm. has actually lasted. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, now. And, and our fans, man, were some of the most loyal. I mean, the thing that I, I can remember is like our fans were on the edge of their seats the whole time, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and they didn't leave. I mean, it's almost like they, they I, I got to say, they helped, they willed us to that win as well because yeah, they were an cool. integral part, man. Because once they started rocking and rolling, uh, I mean, it's like their energy transferred to us as well. Mm -hmm. Well, here's uh, here's Michael Young, of course. Yeah. You you remember this matchup? Oh yeah, they played in the finals in 1986. Yeah, Mike Mike Young was a tremendous shooter. I yeah. mean, from long distance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the thing that made it so difficult with him was the fact that he could also put it on the floor, mm -hmm. and I mean, he could shoot from range. So uh, the interesting thing, a lot of people don't know that behind the scenes, the way we played Mike Young was uh, Sonny, we would always run different people at him to just mm -hmm. try and wear him down, okay? Because you couldn't, re you couldn't really slow him down. You just had to wear him down mm -hmm. because he was so deadly. So we just ran a number of people at him, trying to keep fresh bodies on him, and hopefully – you know, uh, we were wearing down, and then in the fourth quarter, the last two or three minutes, then we go head to head. Mm -hmm. right. So, but yeah, he was a tremendous shooter, man. Tremendous score. Okay, Mike, do you remember of any of the uh, the local players who were assigned to defend you? And do you remember if any any of them gave you a hard time? Uh, let's see here. <laughs> he would always sneak in and help. He would always come from either the weak side or the top, but Cope, Atway Cope. Yeah, okay. 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 He was always trying to get, he was always creep, he was always trying to snipe, you know, so uh, he, he, he really did it well. Like, as soon as you put the ball down and kind of turn your back, you know, he would always try to come in from your blind side to kind of, you know, uh, strip you with it. He was good at doing that. Uh -huh. and, 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 and that's probably the first time someone said something about Atoyko's defense <laughs> on this show. Yeah. It's usually it's usually his offense, man. But the first time somebody said something about his you defense. know, so he he was funny. Uh, of course, you know you had El Presidente, who was real yeah. smart oh. and clever. Oh yeah, you uh -huh. know, Mister Fernandez. You know, he was he was you know he was thin as a rail, but he was really clever in terms of how he defended you. Uh -huh. uh, so, you know, I thought he was real clever. You had to, you know, you kind of had to think it out when you were playing with him. What kind of clever? Against him. What uh, kind of clever? What's that? What kind of clever? 
in terms of you know he would he he had a tactic where he would kind of give you a little knee or like, like lean on you to uh -huh. make you think that he was there and then uh, it was almost like what rick mahorn would do in terms of pulling the chair uh -huh. you know so he would, give, he would give you enough contact to think make you think okay he's leaning and then uh -huh. he would go away and then you would if you didn't have your balance you would fall That's so right. you know he was just clever. He always kept you thinking and yeah, guessing. Yeah, that, that's what he was known for. Is really his, his thing. But did you know, Mike? Were you aware of this this uh, kind of rivalry between Sonny Jaworski and, and El Presidente yes. at the time? Were, were you made aware of that? Yeah, you know, I did a little. I did a little research, and it went back to the CRISPR days. You know, Toyota, CRISPR and Toyota. Toyota, Toyota. Yeah. yeah. So, so I know that they had a rivalry. You know, and so I, I just knew that it was always going to be intense when we played against him. Right, right, right. So you guys stepped it up more when you when you played against Tanduay when it was oh, Fernandez on the other side. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, those um, were some great, okay. great, great games. This photo here. Uh, there you are with the, the greatest import tandem in the history of the PBA. Some, That's yeah, some fans said uh, uh, consider this the greatest. Yeah, because because you ever. called Rob Williams, uh, you know, a bit of a crazy guy earlier. How about this guy with, with you over here? <laughs> Let me. <laughs> I, I would go to war with this dude any day, man. And, and, and I'll tell you, uh, probably what just just in terms of athletic ability, uh, this guy was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I mean, total total package. Uh, he could you know he could shoot it, he could finish. I mean, he could assist. He could do it all. He could do it all. He could do it all. Uh, funniest guy. If 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 you're playing with him, it's a delight. If you're playing against him, it's a nightmare. Mm -hmm. You know. But I mean, Billy was just like I said, man. Just never lifted a weight. Just, just country strong. You know what I'm saying? Just uh -huh. country yeah, strong. Yeah. Man. But uh, the the stories that I can tell you, I, I'll never forget when they gave him the name, the Black Superman. Uh -huh. uh, the very next game, he came into the arena with a <laughs> Superman outfit on. And this was That's the funniest right. shit, man, I've ever seen. <laughs> he, I mean, he had the entire. I mean, the cape, the boots, the tights. I mean, this guy, I, I, it was funny. But the funny <laughs> part is, nowadays, you know, you have an outfit that that, that can give you the false look of muscles. Mm -hmm. Billy really had real muscles. So so he filled out that Superman outfit, man. It was just funny. It was funny. And then you're, you're, you guys are wearing your Grosby shoes. Remember your Grosby? Yeah, Grosby. Oh, yeah. oh, man. You, we used to we used to get uh, those shoes every game. Uh -huh. They didn't come in and give us just they just give us uh, shoes every game, every game. Man, I, I mean, we'd have new shoes. Is that company still around? Not no, anymore. No, it's gone. It's gone. They, no, they just no, make some yeah. replicas nowadays. But but yeah, that, that's, yeah, it's been out. It's been gone for a bit. Rubber world, yeah. Yeah, man. They, hey, we went over to the factory and you know we we did the tour and like uh -huh. I said, man, they they hey. They sit down and develop your shoe how you want it. You know, I used to have marvelous, my marvelous sneakers. I, I mean, it was it was crazy. Once again, mm -hmm. those were great times in, in the film. <laughs> yeah, imagine your own signature shoe. Your you, own were Jordan, signature you were Jordan shoe. before Jordan, right? Man, I mean, it's crazy, man. I tell, you know, I, I was telling some of my friends about that, and they were like, man, you're, you're crazy. I was like, dude, I'm telling you. I had my own signature shoe. <laughs> the marvelous <laughs> shoes, right. You still have one at home right now? Do you have one? No, I don't have any. I don't have any of that stuff. The only thing I have uh, is scrapbooks. 
I have scrapbooks from everything that was done in the PI or wherever okay. I played. That's all I have. Mm -hmm. But okay. in terms of the shoes or any of that, I don't have any of that. The okay. jerseys too and all of that. No okay. jerseys. Next, next photo, please. There, oh, there yeah. you are. There, there you it is. Yeah. yeah. Mike, there was a game um, against Manila Beer in 1986. I think this was game four of the finals. When the three of you, Sonny, Billy, and you, played 58 minutes in one game. And that was because of a do double overtime win double by Ginebra. That's right. Yeah. That's when you went up three and one. Yeah. Um, how phenomenal was this, especially for a 40-year-old guy like Jaworski? You know, I honestly think he was older than 40. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I honestly think he was older than forty, but hey, yeah. if, that, if if that's the number we're going with, I'm 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 okay with it. But what I can tell you, man, is that Sonny took great care of his body. I mean, all you know, we didn't have the hyperbolic chamber like they have today. But in terms of you know getting massages and you know using the ultrasound and the stimulation and the acupuncture, I mean, this guy, I, I mean, he took great care of his body. I mean. You know, he was never a drinker. He was never a smoker. I mean, uh, he ate healthy. He ate clean. Uh, like I said, man, it's a testament to truly being a pro. I, and I can say, you know, I picked up a lot of things just from being around him in terms of how to be a better pro. And speaking That's of cool. that overtime, yeah. the double overtime game, you know, one of our followers, Bernard Cheng, yeah. says that, that you, Mike, you forced the first overtime with a running jumper like okay. Don Nelson shot. It bounced up and went in. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. That. I yeah. That. Runner, I, I think I went down the lane with a runner. It bounced up high and came right back down. <laughs> so, but but once again, yeah. we're talking about you know, the amount of time that we played. But can you imagine guys today with time management? Mm -hmm. Nobody's Load gonna those kind of minutes, man. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let, let alone a forty-year-old. Yeah, forty year old playing all fifteen minutes. Mike, I just gotta say something. It's a personal thing. Yeah, I, I have a friend. He's been a fan of Hinebra since we were in <laughs> high school. Mm -hmm. Okay, he, he, every time we have a Hinebra guest, he he watches. But he says you are his ultimate idol as an import. Um, and uh, yeah, he just like to say hi. His name is Aldrin. Aldrin Uy. And uh, you what know. Aldrin. 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 Aldrin, what's happening, man? Thank you for being uh, 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 up. <laughs> I am humbled that you remember me, man. So thank you so very much. Thank I'm sure you Aldrin, Aldrin has a big yeah. smile on his face thank right you. now. Yeah, yeah, right. When, I, when I told him you would be the guest, he, he sent me a message that's wow. And there were like uh, 20 O's in between the two W's. So <laughs> that's how excited he was. When, when yeah, I yeah. informed him. So, yeah, anyway, yeah, going back to this series, uh, Mike, yeah, that, this was Hinebra's first championship in the PBA. And uh, it happened with you and, and Billy. Uh, were you made aware of that, you know, that you were uh, on the cusp of history entering the, entering the finals? And how much did that weigh on the team? Mm -hmm. you, you know, uh, I, I think. Sonny kept a lot of, you know, he, I mean, he kept it light for us, man. Uh, I mean, in terms, of, I was, it was never where we really felt like we were under pressure. You know, his thing was, you know, just go do what you do, just go and play, and you know, let the chips fall where they may. But if you guys play to your fullest, we got a really good chance of winning. 
-hmm. you know, and the the historical aspect of it, you know, that was never really mentioned. Uh, mm -hmm. But we realized how big it was at the after party once we won. Yeah. <laughs> right, so, right. but throughout that whole ride, uh, we man, it was just we were trying to win as many games as we could win. Mm -hmm. Mike, uh, there were games when Billy would lead the scoring, and then there would be games when you would lead the scoring. Uh, where's the give and take part there? I, I mean, in your case, was there a discussion between the two of you as to who will score more tonight, or who will have a, 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 a player defending against you who's probably weaker? No, I mean, once again, like I, like I said, Jay, you know, uh -huh. basketball can when, – when you got people who are playing at a high level, man uh – -huh. You, you don't really need to have a discussion. Okay. And and it was never where Sonny said, okay, tonight Billy's going to get X amount of shots. Mike, you got to do – no, it was never that. All um, right. You know, we were, we were all uh, smart enough and cognitive enough to know, hey, if we had mismatches, we took advantage of mismatches. That's you right. know, if, if Billy got on a roll, hey, it wasn't yeah. no jealousy, it wasn't no animosity because it was all for one goal. Okay, right, right. and uh -huh. at the end of the day, that's how we play. If, uh -huh. if I had a mismatch, I knew I was going to get work. But if I if I didn't have a mismatch, I knew that hey, what my job was is to go in and get boards, you know, play tough in the middle, and uh -huh. just and and just you know fill in the pieces. Uh -huh. And I think that that's uh -huh. what made us such a dynamic duo. You know, yeah. people always you know people would always ask that question, man. You know, did you and Billy? Me and Billy got along great. <laughs> I mean, we got along well. But mm -hmm. it was never that discussion about, you know, this is what I'm going to do tonight because you can't script it. Right. You can't okay. script that. You know, it has to be something that's just natural. And that's what it was. It was natural. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Charlie, let me get back to 1985, the year before. Yeah. Um, on November 21, 1985, yeah. uh, you, were, you were in a battle for third place against Great Taste. No? Uh, on the first yeah. game of that best of five series, you scored 103 points. Um, describe that atmosphere. Describe how you were doing. Uh, what were you feeling at that time? Were you confident of scoring that much? Were you aware of the record uh, of 88 points back then? Yeah, so, so you know, my, my meal back then before, before a game, uh, I would do pasta and then I would do a steak, right? Okay. So that was my pregame meal. More pasta than steak. Okay. Right? Because, you know, you don't want to be heavy. And then being in the Philippines, man, uh, you know, with the heat, if you got too much meat on your stomach and you're running up and down, you could get sick, right? So, uh -huh. so it was more <laughs> pasta than anything. So, you know, going into the game, it was just, you know, it was just another game. And, uh, you know, I think we got into it, and I'm scoring, and I'm flowing. And, uh, you know, I, I think at the end of the first – I may have had something at the end of the first quarter. I think I had 20, 20 plus points. That's right. That's right. All right. And, 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 you know, like I said, I'm, I'm just doing my thing, kind of going through the motions, no expectations. Uh, you know, we're, you know, we're playing well. Everybody's kind of doing their thing. Uh, so then I get to like almost the right before halftime. And I think I'm sitting at like close to 50. Right. <laughs> and, so we go into we go into the locker room, and Sonny said, "Damn, you got it working tonight, right?" So I said, "Yeah, man." You know? so, so he said, "We gonna we we gonna get you the record tonight." So mm -hmm. Sonny said that, Chito said that, right? 
So I'm like, okay, let's get the let's get the record. I didn't know at the time the record was held by Larry McNeil. I think it was '88, something like that. It is, yeah, it is. It was mm -hmm. correct. So you know, so man, I'm, I, I, we're rolled. So we go back out. Game starts, man, and once again, we I pick up where I left off. You know, so uh, now I'm getting like what maybe five, six minutes left in the third. And I think I'm like at 60 or right at that 70 point mark, somewhere in there, uh -huh. right? So they were like, you're going to get this number. So uh, I think right about the third, at the end of the third, going into the fourth, man, I think I, 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 I eclipsed the mark. And then it was just a matter of uh, continuing to score. Uh -huh. and, the, and the crazy thing about the 103 is I didn't have one conventional three-pointer. That's right. Right. You know, everything was either I and one, but I yes. didn't shoot one three-pointer. And I think okay. once I got the record, uh, you know, I, I think Sonny pulled me out. I didn't play that whole game. I think he pulled me out with about three minutes left to allow oh. me to get the to get the ovation from That's the right. uh, from the fans. Do you, do you remember Mike who passed you the who who passed it to you for the for the hundred points? You got the record? I, I, I think it, I want to say it was either it was either Sonny or either one, uh, one of the Louis Zagas who kicked me the ball. Well, one one of the guys, uh, one of our followers says it was Arnie Twadless. Arnie Twadless. Twadless, yeah, yeah. Arnie Twadless. Twadless actually mm. broke the record at that time. He had twenty three assists in that for that, that game. game. Yeah, right. Most right. of them were to you. And most yeah, of them. Yeah, hey, you know what? Right. I used to call I used to call Twadless magic because he could he could really pass the ball, man, when he wanted to. He could right. really pass the ball. Yeah, smart player. Yeah, yeah, very, very, skinny, very smart. You know, didn't like a lot of contact. He, he, he was funny because if he ever got hit, he'd always come back and say, "Whoo, boy, that was a hard." One. <laughs> 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 no, Mike, that, was a, that Mike, that was a that was a big hit, Mike. Mike, Mike, that was a big hit. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, man. So once I got it, I came out, got the ovation, and you know, it was just uh, like I said, it, it, it was a great moment. Great hey, hey, yeah. yeah, you were up against Great Taste in that uh, best of uh, seven uh, series for the third place. Uh, was there an effort on the part of the opposing team, Great Taste, to sort of limit you and not, you know, not be the team that's on, on the receiving end of of a record of 103 points? Uh, I mean, you know, uh, they said they were fouling. I mean, I mean, they were double and triple teaming. But man, like I said, my guys were determined to get me that record, man. So. Uh, that night, bro, I don't, I, I don't think I ever moved that much on a court in my life from one side to another, <laughs> you know, up, down, pick, screens, you know. Hey, they were like, Mike, as long as you got gas in the tank, we're going to get you this record, man. So so I, I, I think even at halftime, man, it was so funny. I had to change shoes because that's how much I was sweating, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Corey Blackwell who was the import of Yeah, it was Corey yeah. Blackwell on that team. That's right. Yeah, That's who right. got all of those points. Now, now, three days after, you set forth for another record. You 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 hauled down 45 boards that broke the previous record of, I think, 29 by Jinky Simbula, a local, in 1975. Uh, that was in game two. Uh, what was the mindset back behind that? Yeah, now the rebounding record. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That was game two. Well, you know, once again, you know, I, I knew what the responsibility was. I mean, and the crazy thing is uh, the, 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 the fans in the PI, man, are probably some of the most knowledgeable fans 
anyway when it comes mm-hmm. to basketball, right? Mm-hmm. So the IQ for fans in the Philippines, man, is right up there with somebody. They said, I'm going to take your garden. There are people in Boston or uh-huh. uh, somebody in L.A. I mean, they know pretty much the in- back. I don't know what it is now, but back then they knew all the intricacies of the game. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, man, once you set that precedent of what's expected, they hold you accountable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they hold you accountable, man. So, so you know, like I said, man, for me, it was just about going out and just doing it. Um, if, if it was a record, I got it, so be it. But it was never where I'm thinking consciously, hey, tonight I'm going out to get 40-plus rebounds. Mm-hmm. Or tonight I'm going out to score – 100 plus points. Mm-hmm. My thing was just putting on the best possible show uh, that I could that I could possibly do, man. And that's what mm-hmm. it was. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And everybody you, appreciated you, that about yeah. you. Mm-hmm. You did hear that your the 103 point was eventually broken, right? I, I mean, were you aware? Yeah, I, I heard about that. You know, records are meant to be broken, but right. I don't, I don't, I don't think it was done. It, it was broken. But I don't think he had to work as hard as I worked to get mine. <laughs> and he, well, you know, is, ironically, he scored yeah, against Hinebra, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. yeah, he, he yeah. scored 105 against uh, Hinebra, that's uh, Tony Harris. Right, but Tony. He, yeah, Tony was a scorer, man. He could score. Oh, yeah, he was. He was. He, he was score. hitting three. He, and he had some threes along the way. Oh, yeah. Right. He, oh, yeah. And he took 50 free throw attempts. That's what... Uh, it's called yeah, they were, they, were, they were knocking him down left and right, but yeah. there's no footage of the game because it was an out of yeah, game. No. Right. So there were no cameras, so we're just relying on what we were told by the by the previous yeah, guests. It's, it's like it's like Will Chamberlain's 100 point game. Well, yeah, right. also right. didn't you have any uh, TV, yeah, right. TV footage, so so maybe it didn't happen. I don't know. But Mike, what happened? <laughs> uh, what happened? November 26 on game three of that same series, you tried to go for the assist record this time. At that time, Arnie Tuadas just broke it with 23 in game one, five days before that. On November 26, you tried to go for the assist record yourself, but you probably missed out by a couple of dimes. What happened? Would you remember? Yeah, yeah just misreads. You know, uh, I, guy, I, you know, thinking <laughs> that the guy was going to cut, didn't cut. Uh-huh. You, you, you know, so just misreads. But, but, but once again, man, I can't take anything away from the accomplishment and, and from, from the, you know, like I said, we won. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and at the end of the day, that's what it was all about winning. That's, that's right. That's right. You know, and uh, like I said, man, Sonny was just—I I still marvel at how long he played after I mm-hmm. left. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He played another more than well, a decade, or about a decade. Yeah, he right? played almost another ten years, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. he played with his son, actually. Yeah, yeah. that's right. No, uh, it wasn't Ryan. Days. Ryan was the baby boy. It was—it wasn't Ryan that he played. With. No, it was, no, it was no. the elder guy. No, no, the eldest. Yeah, he junior. Was 15. I yeah, junior. He was 15 at that time when you were uh, when you were here. Yeah, so it was okay. Ryan. And what was the what was the what was the, the eldest son's name? Dodot. Oh, his dope. nickname was his nickname was Dodot, but he was a Dodot. Dodot. Was yeah. Robert Dodot. Yeah. yeah, Dodot. Yeah, that's right. Okay, do we have? We still have some photos, right, Aaron? Some photos still for for Mike to check. Yeah, here's here. Look at this. You're with the mayor mm-hmm. of Makati. That's the mayor and the guy in the yellow uh, uniform. That's the yeah. mayor of Makati City. So, do you remember this? Yeah, like I said, man, we would do a lot of things, uh, uh, Charlie. We, you know, we, events like this. As a matter of fact, I think this was the opening of a of a basketball court or mm-hmm. you know a, a gym, and and you know we were there. Uh, that was one of the <laughs> other things, man. That uh, that that really was uh, impressive is that we had a really big community uh, impact in terms mm-hmm. of you know 
Hanebra San Miguel representing uh, the community and, and going out and doing community service events, man. And and once again, you know, Sonny spearheaded all of that. He spearheaded. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you you guys had community outreach already, even back then when it wasn't. Even a back thing. then, man, we had co community outreach. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and, and I think that you know that was another reason why uh, you know our fans loved us so much is because you know they got a chance to really touch us and see us and yeah, you know, and that made a world of difference to them. Man. That's right. Yeah, and then that that mayor, Mayor Binai, he used to play a lot of basketball too. He's a quick guard for the in the in the lawyers' leagues. He used to. Score a lot of points on fast breaks. Right. So, that's what yeah, I was told. Vice president. Yeah, he became vice president of the Philippines, by the way. Okay, what's what's next on the on the how many more? Here's your team photo from 1987. Yeah, like, man, that's uh, that, that's at the gym we used to practice in. What is that? St. Augustine, I think. Yeah, Augustine, probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you have uh yeah, Harmon Codinera was a rookie, yeah. right? And uh, Zaldi Latosa came in as a, as a veteran, he's sitting on the right beside Joey Loisaga with the striped socks, right? Mike, Ad Mike Advani's there, and then look uh, at the posing of look at the posing of Ed Ducot. You gotta love the posing <laughs> of Ed Ducot. Yeah, look at that. who were you closest among the locals? Uh, me, uh, I used to eat in Advani's, Advani's family had a restaurant, yeah. so. Mm -hmm. So I used to eat in his family's restaurant. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, I, I, I would go to Sonny's house for meals. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that was about it. That was about mm -hmm. it. Okay. Yeah. Mike was our but, you know, Mike you had, was our guest. You know, back then, man. Uh, I mean, you had we had everything. I mean, you know, when they brought us over, you know, you had a maid, you had a cook. I mean, yeah. like I yeah, said, yeah. man, they treated us like gods, man. Yep, yep. <laughs> That's what everyone says. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. come along. Yeah, so this is a pretty good team, but then you weren't able to win a championship there. Here you, you're dunking over Alvin Patrimonio, who became a yeah. four-time MVP team, later yeah. on. That's a national team. Yeah, Patrimonio was a good player, man. He's a good player. Yeah. Four MVPs. Yeah. yeah. He, he, went, he, on to, he went on to become one of the greatest EBA players of all time. And the guy behind you guys is uh, Jojo Lastimosa, who also went on to have a very good PBA career mm -hmm. uh, afterwards. So yeah, this is '87, I think, the uh, mm -hmm. when the yeah. national team guested in the uh, in the first conference. That's and you know, you know, you're dunking here, but I, I do I do recall you didn't dunk too often. I mean, you know, you were you were really like left and right hook shots and off the glass and stuff like that. And and you know, every now and then you'd suddenly just rise up for a dunk, and that would really, that would uh, surprise your defender because you wouldn't take it that hard, that often. No, you know, no, you know and, and that was you know one of the things, uh, you know, with Adrian Dantley and with uh, Paul Silas, uh, you know, my thing was uh, putting enough English on the ball where I could flip it. Mm -hmm. You know, so for me, a lot a lot of shots were either finger rolls or you know the short floaters, like everybody has a floater today. But, you know, I use a lot of that back in the day where it was just, you know, short floaters or I could, I could put a nice spin on it and kiss it off the glass, either lefty or righty. What's next on the, the gallery? And there's Francois Weiss. Francois Weiss, yeah. I know 87. This is 87 also, right? Yeah. Francois Weiss. Frankie Lim and Yo-Yo Lim. Yeah, that's right. How about Francois? How was he? I mean, how do you remember your matchups with him? He's a big fella, bigger, bit bigger than you are. Yeah, he wasn't mobile. Mm -hmm. You know, he was more ro more more robotic than anything. I mean, he he had huge muscles, but you know, he was just 
kind of robotic. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, brother. so you know, I mean, he was strong, but you know, at the same time, like I said, I think the thing that my footwork was better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, right. yeah, and that was his fourth time to come back already. So he was he had been he had been here since '81. So he came back right. a few times as well, just like you. Okay, what's next? Yeah, well, Mike, when you were here, you also actually played it for a college team, right? Say that again. When you were here, you also played for a college team, the the Philippine University of Science. Yeah, I played and for Arts. Philippine University, man. <laughs> Philippine University Arts. of Science and Arts. We have another <laughs> clip of that of when you were introduced to the team. Yeah, can we can we show that? <laughs> Remember that guy, Jimmy? Look at you, you have the dance moves, man. secret weapon Meet the newest members of our college basketball team. Lionel, Stevie, and Michael J. Michael J. With the suspenders, Mike, come on. With suspenders, man, I'm trying. That was my best moonwalk impression. <laughs> Michael J. And then with Lionel and Stevie. So. <laughs> but, you, but you guys were the pusa. You were the cats. And then the, the, the yeah. dogs beat you. The asso yeah, beat you. Asso, yeah, asso. Yeah. Yeah. School of the Orient. Yeah. Can you talk about, you know, shooting that that movie with Martin yeah, Rivera yeah. and, you know, those three comedians? Tito, Nick, and Joey. Yeah. 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 yeah, man. Uh, once again, another, you know, another opportunity uh, that... Uh, if I wasn't playing with, he never would have never been able to happen. Uh, just the experience of, uh, you know, being on the set and seeing a movie put together. I mean, it's a lot of downtown sitting on the set. I mean, you know, it's, it's a lot of downtown just sitting around. But, man, it was a great experience. Uh, Tito, Vic, and Joey, man, along with Martin. I mean, these guys were all very supportive. Uh, just encouraged me and just said, Mike, be natural. Just do your thing. And, uh, you know, like I said, it, it was another great experience, man. Uh, once again, uh, I got a chance to see what it was like uh, watching these guys work behind the camera, all the work that goes into it. Um, and once again, it was it was another another moment that was made in the Philippines. Right. You know, a lot of the a lot of the imports who played here in the Philippines, uh, well, a bunch of them had girlfriends here in the Philippines, you know, some of the actresses maybe or whatever. You know, did, did you go out with anyone here? Or did you seriously date anyone? Because you were here for three years. Yeah, uh, at the time, man, I had I had a, a, a relationship with a young lady. Her name was Begonia Markaline. And uh, we, were, we were together for about eight years. Wow. Eight, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. she actually traveled all, she traveled with me all over the world. So, wow, okay. yeah. But, uh, you know, relationships, they end and, you know, it ended. So. Uh -huh. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. But yeah, but never, okay. well, but never any of the yeah. big stars, you know. Most yeah, yeah. No, 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 not the low profile. You're low profile. Yeah, low profile, man. Under the radar, you know. Do we still have photos, Aaron? No, no, no. I think that's that was it. The last that's the last. One. Okay, yeah. so that's the last of the photos. But but after the the PBA stint, so you ended up at fourth place in 1987. That was your know. last stint here. And then, so where did you go off to? You, you went back to Venezuela. What 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 is the what was the tour of so duty for after, you? So after that, uh, I I went to Israel, mm -hmm. and I stayed in Israel. Like I told you on the pre-call, uh -huh. I was in Israel through the Persian Gulf War. 
Right. Mm-hmm. You need to tell that story. You got to tell that story, Mike. So, so you know, we, we were in Tel Aviv. We were living in Tel Aviv. And uh, whatever the scud, this was during the Persian Gulf War, Sid. So, and, and Jake, I, I told Charlie this story. So, mm-hmm. um, whenever a scud would come in, there would be a siren that, that would go off. That would sound, you could hear it all over the city. Okay. And that was an indication that a scud was coming in and you would have to go to a bomb shelter. So every apartment or house that, that was in, that's in Israel, they have the safe area, which is a mm-hmm. bomb shelter. Mm-hmm. And that's where you go until the siren goes off. So, you know, after doing this about four or five times, I, I'm like, number one, I don't want to be in a, in a bomb shelter because it's claustrophobic as hell. Okay. okay. And the, so I didn't, me and, I had, me and my Israeli teammate, uh, we decided that when we would hear the siren, we'd actually go up on the roof with a cooler full of beer and we'd sit up and watch the scuds while the Patriots knocked the scuds out of the sky. It was almost like the 4th of July. So we would watch that on from the rooftop because the scuds never hit a populated area. They would either fall over into the Red Sea or the Dead Sea or they would actually fall out in the rural areas of the country. So it never hit a populated area. So we felt pretty safe in terms of going up to the roof and watching that. So that's the kind of stuff we would do um, during the Persian Gulf War. That's crazy, right? What yeah. a story. Drink, drinking beers while watching actual missiles. Yeah, yeah while watching off, right? missiles actually go. I mean, you know, Israel, man, was a, was a beautiful country. Um, mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was there doing some historic moments. Like I was there when Itzhak Rabin was assassinated. That mm-hmm. was the first prime minister that was ever assassinated in the country. Uh, so I was there for that. Um, you know, I even think about, man, when I was in the PI, I was there during the People's Revolt. Yeah, so, right, yeah, so you know, it was kind of interesting. It was funny. I actually went out in the middle of the People's Revolt. Here's the funny story. So we're out on, on that on the main highway yeah. right there. Uh, it's, it's a huge intersection in Makati, and that's where we are. Because that's where I was living. I was living out in Green Hills. Mm-hmm. I had a house out in Green Hills. Okay. So I told my driver, I was like, dude, I'm not staying in. I, I, I want to go out. I want to see what's going on. So we get out from the drive, and man, I'm telling you, it's people crowded. I mean, the streets are filled. I mean, we're, we're just edging along. That's, there's so many people in the streets. We're just gradually edging along, edging along, right? So I, I said to my driver, I said, so I'm going to get out, man. I want to see what's going on. And when I get out, people recognize who the hell I am, and they started <laughs> rushing the car. And it was the craziest thing. So my driver pulled me back in the car. He's like, you got to get in the car. You got to get in the car because we'll never be able to get out of here. So that was my experience from the people's revolt. <laughs> wow. Well, you know how, how crazy the fans can be. But imagine, so you were part of that. You, you were able to experience that That's Edsa revolution. Yeah, man. So it was kind of, it was kind of, you know, like I said, it was fun. I, I had a great time in the country, man. Without a doubt. Yeah. And you were still yeah. scoring, were you? When you went to your other leagues in, mm-hmm. in Israel, you topped the league in scoring uh, in 1990. Topped the league in scoring, was in the top, you know, top ten in, in rebounds. Um, you know, like I said, my career, man, I, I was a 26, 28 point score game, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, double figures in boards throughout my career. And you know, it lasted about 18 years. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And, and you know, I, I sit back now and I, I look at, you know, I think about. The draft today, which is only two rounds, 
And I think about what I did my senior year in college, right? 20, over 20 points a game and over 10 points, 10 rebounds a game. Mm-hmm. Would, would that have made me a first round draft pick today? Very sure. possibly. Very sure. possibly. Uh huh. You know, so, those are the so numbers it's just, today. like I said, I, I just look at it, man, and maybe I was born 30 years too early. Uh huh. Yeah, of course. But, you know, when you were here, the three stints you had in the, in the Philippines, the first one is when you won the best import award. That's when you averaged more than 50 points a game. Imagine that, yeah. you know, 50 points a game. That's nuts. Yeah, 50 um, points, and I think it was over 20-some boards a game. Uh-huh. uh-huh. That's right, 20.2. And then you played 47 minutes per game. Yeah, yeah. So, Crazy. I, not, so I didn't get in foul trouble, right? And, uh-huh. uh, and I, I was in pretty good condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, what a, What a lot of people don't realize is that my last year in the Philippines, my production went down, but I played with an amoeba the entire year. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you ever have an amoeba, uh-huh. you know that you're always dehydrated, man. So mm-hmm. a lot of people uh, don't even understand how I had the energy to play. That's right, right, right. right. Mm-hmm. Because I would spend most of the day in the bathroom and it wasn't a good, and it wasn't a good stay in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. So uh-huh. just, just being dehydrated. So I mean, I was, I was drinking uh, Pedialyte like I, like you would drink uh, water, just to yeah, try yeah, and stay yeah. hydrated. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So, but it's really you, know, you. You were a great scorer because you know, even when Billy Ray Bates came in in '86, your your scoring, which was 50 the year before per per game, just it dipped just a little to 45. Right. Right, so you imagine you're with Billy Ray Bates, and yet you're still scoring like oh, about 40, mm-hmm. 46 points a game. So you know you still could put it in the in the hoop. Yeah, you know, that's, a, that's really so. Eventually, I mean, so when, when, where did you end your career? In what in which country? So I ended my career in Israel. So well, what, you- what happened with me is I came home one summer, and I was playing summer league basketball, and uh, I actually blew my knee up. Okay. So so I had to have uh, reconstructive knee surgery. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I had some really good insurance, so I had the Mayo Clinic. Uh, they actually rebuilt my knee, and uh, the knee was a hundred percent. I mean, it was that. It actually, my left knee actually, which was my left knee that was injured, it mm-hmm. actually was stronger than my right knee after after re- oh. after physical therapy and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, I tried to go back to Europe, and they didn't really want to pay me any money. They were like, you got to come back over. You got to try out. You got to go through all of this. And at that point, man, I've been in, you know, I've been in Europe for like 17 years. And I'm like, I'm out for a year. And you're telling me I got to go through this process. I was like, the hell with that, man. I'm done. I'm done. And what year was this, Mike? What year was this? That's got to be. 94, 95? After, so after Israel, after the Persian Gulf War, what year was that? 91, 92, 91. Yeah, so I played in Israel for another three years. So, yeah, so like 94, 95, somewhere in there. There you go. Okay, you came back to Manila. You went to Manila sometime in the early 90s, if I'm not mistaken, 91 or 92. Um, Right, I came back looking to play. That's right. uh, You were at all Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Watching a Zebra game, that's right. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, you know, I I tried to reach out to Sonny. Never Mm -hmm. was able to get in contact with him. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, no, there was no opportunity. So I came back stateside and uh, I got into the wine and spirit industry. So, okay. so I worked for Southern Wine and Spirits in Florida for over 20 years. 
where I was a wine and spirit salesperson. So okay. I did that, and uh, man, that was that was a uh, I, I enjoyed that for for twenty years. Uh, I mean, were you oh, were you also wow. were you was was one of your duties to taste the wine as well? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I had I had probably about uh, 80 accounts on on and off premise, meaning I had package stores, I had restaurants, five star restaurants, I had you know strip clubs, I had it all. Twenty years. And, huh? Yeah, and I, I made a really good living doing that. Um, got really knowledgeable on wine and spirits, and uh, um, you know, got a chance to travel the world even more. Uh, wow. Because I, I won a lot of competitions uh, okay. in the in the business, so I went to I went to cognac. I got a chance to go to uh, Napa wine country. So, uh, like I said, man, it's it's been a great journey. It's been a really great journey. Right, right. Yeah. Well, cheers to that. And and then, but, yeah. but none of the other PBA teams reached out anymore when when Hinebra yeah. didn't get you back yeah. in ninety one, ninety two. No, no one else reached out, and and I don't know if it's just you know lack of communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but you know, once I reached out, you know, I wanted to come home because I felt I never was home, so I wanted to come mm -hmm. back home. That's and right. uh, once again, nobody reached out or responded. So you know, what about that stretch uh, after your last in '88 to '91? Uh, he never didn't ask you back for the '88 season. No, they didn't ask me to come back, and and like I said, once again, I reached out to Sonny, but. You know, I, I don't know if he was just unhappy with the way I played my last year there. Mm -hmm. Like I said, you know, I'm not making any excuses, but I had that amoeba, and mm -hmm. that amoeba just mm -hmm. drained me, man. It drained me. Mm -hmm. And right. uh, and I don't know if he was just not happy with my play or my performance, but once again, it, you know, he he just never responded. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, I'm a okay. big boy. And I know the game, so I just you know, I said, oh, I can do yeah, something. Yeah. To do yeah. Yes, a lot of fans are wondering what happened. Right. You know, what happened to you after '87? You just suddenly you didn't have a Filipino agent at that time, also, Mike. No, you know, you know, I, at that point, Jay, you know, I've been in the game long enough to why pay somebody percentage when I, you know, I can get in contact. Yeah, yeah, you can do it. Yeah. yeah. Nah, there you go. Yeah. Mm. Uh -huh. Okay. But okay, but then uh, so after you you ended your, your basketball career, you went into the wine business and all of that. Uh, did you ever get into coaching? Yeah, so I coached a high school in, in Jacksonville, Florida. It, it was called, mm -hmm. the name of the school is Bowles. B-O-L-L-E-S. Okay. -L -L I was the assistant mm -hmm. basketball coach there. Okay. Uh, my, my last year there, we won the state championship. Okay. Uh, I had uh, I have all five of my players, they all got scholarships to D1 schools. Wow. Here's my, here's my starting lineup. My point guard was 6'4". My shooting guard was 6'5". My power forward was 6'8". Mm -hmm. uh, no, I'm sorry. My small forward was 6'8". My power forward was 6'9". And my center was 6'10". My, my center is at Central Florida. Okay. He redshirted last year. He played oh, okay. for Johnny Dawkins. Okay. Uh, my power forward went to the Air Force Academy. Uh, my small forward ended up going to Yale, play, playing at Yale. And my other two kids went to mid-majors in the state of Florida. Okay, great. So, uh, so yeah, man, we, we had a successful run. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, once again, at that point, it was just about helping the kids. Mm -hmm. It's so funny that 
uh, a lot of my kids never realize anything about my basketball history. And because uh, I would never, I'm never the one that's going to talk about, you know, the things that I've done in the past. But their parents recognize who I was. And I guess they went home and the parents were saying, do you know who this guy is? Do you know what he did? So, you know, the kids today, man, they can look you up on YouTube or, mm -hmm. you know, they can find it. And they, they found out what I've done, where I played. And these kids came back the next day in practice and they were like, Coach, why didn't you ever tell us you did this, you did that, you did it? I said, because it's not about me. It's about what you can do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not about what I did. It's about what you can do. That's and I said, you know, just use that as inspiration to stay motivated. Mm -hmm. Amazing, so, amazing. Fantastic, fantastic. And what, what do you do today, Mike? What, what, what's keeping you busy? I'm back in the I'm back in the spirit industry. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, work, I'm working That's for a company here. Uh, it's an upstart company, a startup company, man. And what we do, uh, we make molecular whiskey. Okay. And you may say, what the hell is molecular whiskey, right? So what we've done is we've analyzed all the ingredients that go into making whiskey. Mm -hmm. And there's three common denominators that go into any whiskey, no matter what the spirit is. It could be vodka, it could be tequila, it could be rum. The three key ingredients are plant, fruit, and yeast. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we, we extract from those ingredients. We then infuse them into a clear alcohol base. Mm -hmm. Right. By doing this, we're able to totally re-engineer the distillation process. Now, as you guys may, I don't know if you guys are drinkers or not, but you probably, if you are, you know that it usually takes anywhere from two years or longer for uh -huh. traditional dis distillation for whiskey to age. Mm -hmm. Our caveat that makes us different is we do it all in 24 hours and we oh. do it all in San Francisco. Wow. All right. Sounds so, so we're really provocative and innovative in terms mm -hmm. of what we're coming to the market with. Not to mention the whole sustainability aspect of it. You know, we're using less water, less wood, less less stress on the environment. So that's what we're doing, and, and that's the company that I'm working for now. How mm -hmm. you how are you guys doing price wise compared to the other whiskeys that are the more popular mm -hmm. whiskeys that are in the half of half of, of a comparable uh, brand. Oh, okay. okay. Right? That sounds really and, and attractive. What we, and what because we're doing this, we're able we're, we're making a premium brand, right? Saving you ha at half the cost, and it's a really good product. Really good product. Well, same guy will play for a liquor team. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. <laughs> absolutely. Right. So, I mean, yeah. so that's a common factor through the years. You went from gin to wine to to whiskey now. So absolutely. That's, that's so really I, think, I think I'm a bootlegger in another life. <laughs> yeah, in another life. That's right. That's great, Mike. Lots of great stories from, from Michael Hackett yeah. over the past two hours and plus. I'm, I'm going to move yeah. right now into a, a segment that we wait, call X. Wait, Charlie. Oh, uh, oh, oh, yeah, go. No, go, no, yeah, no go. Just, someone just wants to ask, uh, what's the brand name? There you go. Oh, oh it's, it's, glyph, it's Glyph, like hieroglyphics. Okay. It's good. Oh. G L Y P H. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll okay. research on that and check that out. Okay. That's great. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I have, if, I have a good friend from there. If you want more information on it, go to endlesswest.com. Okay. Endlesswest.com. Endlesswest.com. West. Okay. You got that, guys. Arnel, Arnel was asking. Okay. All right. So, okay. I know, guys. Anything to add? Anything to do? Okay. Okay. I'm going to go into this segment. It's called. Excess or O's, Mike. I'm going to give you some choices. 
you just tell me which your choices without having to explain. You just just choose from the from the choices I'm going to be giving you. Okay, let's get the first one: Chito or Joey Loisaga. Oh, this is always in terms of yeah. offense. Yeah, defense. No, no, just just tell no, me no. which choice: Whatever. Chito or Joey. Chito or Joey. Oh. Who do you choose? Chito or Joey. Or Joey? Oh. Yeah. Oh, give me, uh, give me Chito, man. Chito, okay. okay. Chito wins that one. Michael Young or David Third Kill? Mike Young, man. Michael right. Young, okay. Rob Williams or Harold Keeling? Ooh, that's a toss right there. That's a toss. <laughs> uh, I'd have to go with. I'd have to go with Rob. Rob, mm -hmm. okay. Rob for that one. How about this one? Don Don Ampalayo, the Magic Man, or Terry Saldana, the Plastic Man? Ooh, I gotta go. Ooh, that's a tough one, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> that is a tough one, man. Uh, but because I was in the paint, I'd have to go with my boy Terry Saldana. Plastic Terry Saldana. Okay, 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 Terry. All right. Norman Black or Francois Weiss? Oh, Norman, no doubt. Norman, Norman, no. Okay. Mm -hmm. How about this? David Thirdkill or Dennis Still? Oh, Thirdkill. Thirdkill. Thirdkill, okay. Jeff Moore or Donnie Ray Coons? You remember Donnie Ray Coons, right? Oh, Donnie Ray, without a doubt, man. We played. Donnie Ray. We, we played in the same conference in the Sun Belt. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Because he okay. played at UNC Charlotte. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll throw another one. Michael Young or Norman Black? Still Mike Young, man. Still Michael Young. Yeah, How about this? One hundred three points or forty-five rebounds? That went hand in hand, baby. Hand in hand. Okay, hand that's a tie. Mm -hmm. How about uh, Chip Engeland? Do you remember him? Yeah. Chip Engeland or Ricardo Brown? I'd have, I'd have to go with Ricardo, man. Mm -hmm. Ricardo, okay. The, hey, Ricardo had the sweetest little pull-up jump shot than anybody mm -hmm. I've seen, man. So Pepper Dan over Duke, okay. Absolutely. Uh, how about this? Don Don Ampalayo or Arnie Twadless? Oh, the, oh ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I like the hesitation, man. <laughs> Uh, in terms of offense, more consistently, I'd have to go with Dodo. Okay, okay. But in terms of passing, Arnie, man, please. Okay, okay, that's it. Okay. How about this? Tito, Vic, or Joey? <laughs> hey, you can't have one without the other. <laughs> okay, okay. It's all three. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, Tito, Vic, or Joey. Okay. Uh, how about Gonzalgo or Distrito? Oh, Distrito, man. Distrito, mm -hmm. okay. Uh, Abit Gidaben or Mon Fernandez? El Presidente, baby. El Presidente. Oh. Okay, that's my guy. How about this? I don't know if you remember these guys. They guarded you for sure. Philip Cesar or Abby King? Hey, man, Abby King played me pretty tough, man. Abby you King. know, okay. and, and he never complained. If I hit him, he never complained. <laughs> okay. How about Yoyoy uh, Villamin or Ricky Relosa? Relosa. Relosa, okay, oh, so like your boy. You remember these guys, Freddy Hubalde or Boggs Adornado? I would have to go with Freddy, man. Okay, Freddy, all right, Freddy. How about these guys, Rolly Buhai or Ed Dukut? <laughs> man, Buhai was my boy, man. Hey, <laughs> hey, 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 the funny story is I used to call him life. <laughs> yes, right, right. Exactly, exactly. Because that's what it was, right? Right. So that, you know, so I, I'd have to go with life, man. <laughs> okay, okay. How about this? One, one more. Uh, gin, wine, or whiskey? 
Uh, see, that that depends on the occasion, but Spencer's case, okay. Mm-hmm. But but I I'm, I'm you know I'm a, I'm a whiskey guy. I'm a whiskey yeah. guy. Okay, okay. And well, then let me ask you a question. Let me ask you guys yeah. a question. Sure, Are you sure. guys whiskey drinkers or wine? Uh, uh, I'm more of whiskey over wine. Whiskey, whiskey. Mm. All right, I'm a, on the uh, rocks. I'm a beer guy, but the, yeah, I'm a what, beer what's guy. That, what's well. that, Mike? Meat or on the rocks? On the rocks for me. On the rocks for me. Okay. Well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you know how it is over here, man. Because if it's neat, it's it's warm. It's it's you know how hot it is in the Philippines. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> too hot. Okay. One last one. Uh, Robert De Niro or Al Pacino? I, I'm a De Niro guy. De Niro. Okay. De Niro wins that one. And one last one. Denzel Washington or Will Smith? Denzel, baby, come on. Denzel, baby. There you go. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's, that's how everybody reacts. That's Donnie Ray Quincy yeah. said, oh, come on, man. Denzel all the way. Yeah, okay. it, should be, it, should, it should be Denzel versus Samuel L. Jackson, maybe. Okay, okay, okay. okay, okay. <laughs> now, that's XSROs for this episode 78 of uh, AOB. Uh, mm-hmm. Who's next, Jay? Is it you? Yeah. yeah okay, go, Jay. Mike, 18 years of playing um, professional basketball, college basketball. How would you like fans to remember you? What legacy would you like to be for them? Hey, you know, just a guy that came in, did his job, uh, worked hard, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, appreciated uh, the fans, man. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's exactly how the Filipinos remember you for sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly, right? Right? So that's it. Okay, how about you, uh, Sid? Yeah, Mike, I just want to ask you, who are your five favorite teammates of all time? You can go back to high school, up to your stint in Israel. Uh, through that span, uh, who were your five favorite teammates? Uh, it would have to be my shooter. One of them would be my shooting guard in, in high school, Ronnie mm-hmm. Carr, uh, who actually played at Western Carolina and who actually made the first – he's in the Hall of Fame because he made the first college three-pointer ever. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So right. that would be one. Um I would have to go with uh, with, with the big J mm-hmm. uh, as another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then we can just fill, we can fill in the blanks with with with, with, a, with a few other people. But Billy Ray Bates would probably be uh, he'd probably be in that list as well. Mm-hmm. And and James Ray. Because he was something Ain't special. Seen. Yeah, he was something okay. special. Six nine had the had the prettiest jump shot you'd ever want to see, and, and and elevated on the jump shot. Mm-hmm. Okay, just just a beautiful jump shot. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's four. Do you, you have another yeah. name? And uh, a fifth one. It's tough when you play eighteen years, man. So many. Yeah, teammates. man. It's, uh, yeah, I'm thinking here. Um, Wow, that's a tough one. The fifth one. That's a tough one. Mm. That fifth one is going to be a tough one. (laughs) That's going to be a tough one. Um, Well, I did get a chance to play with Magic, so I, you know, I I could have said the entire Laker front row, but you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. that that in itself was something really special. Uh-huh. So, yeah, okay. You know, just being a part of that was just special. 
Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Lakers. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that that's great, uh, Mike. At, at this juncture, before we end the show, you know, we've taken taken a, a chunk of, of your time uh, this evening for you. Um, anybody you want to thank or, or or shout out to, just to acknowledge in your 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 long career, you know, uh, this this would this would be the time to do that. Uh, I mean, you know, retrospect. Uh, you know, like I said, I mean, it, it was it was nice to see. Uh, you know, Martin. It was nice, Reno. Uh, you know, some of the guys that that were there that still remember me, but most of all, you know, it's just really nice, man, that the fans still appreciate. It all goes back to what I said, man, in terms, uh, I'm just humbly and, and hum humbly appreciate the fact that the fans still remember uh, the work that I put in. And, mm -hmm. and, and you can't ask for anything more than that, man. So mm -hmm. uh, I've never been one to, uh, you know, blow my own horn or rant and rave, but, what I can say is just, it's really nice to know that uh, people remember you, man, and they remember you in a good way. So that's right. That That's, you know, that for me, I can't ask for anymore. That's the perfect birthday gift. Perfect. That's right. You know, advanced happy birthday from Eternity of Basketball on yeah. May 11. Yeah. It's going to be Mike Hackett's birthday. So, advanced the greetings yeah. to you, Mike. Happy birthday, birthday, Mike. Thank you. I just wanted to say just a couple more comments before we end. Uh, somebody mentioned that the, you you had this quote about why you were so serious on the court because you said you know you, you're going to go into battle. You have to be serious about about uh, everything. So that's why you would never smile really right? during during the during the games. And and then so yeah. somebody remembered that you said that. And you also said something about referees. You said that referees are consistent all over the world. You said they're consistently bad. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So, so, so you know that going into the game. So, you know, I always, I always find it interesting. Uh, you know, when you watch games today, uh, once the official makes a call, these guys, the players, run up to the official, like that's going to make a change. Just keep playing, man. You know, the whistle has been blown. There's nothing that you can say or do. Well, you can say something that could possibly get you ejected from the game, but there's nothing that's, that you're going to say that's going to make that ch uh, change that call. Okay. So for me, so for me, that that's just part of being ready to go to war. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's I, I mean, that was my mentality: no harm, no foul. So I, I'm not complaining. Hey, I'm just going to do what I got to do. That's great. Lots, lots of words of wisdom from from Michael Hackett, and then some points to take away, especially if you're a younger player still trying to make your mark in basketball. You, you got a lot to learn from this episode, episode 78, yeah. the Labor Day episode with one of the hardest workers. In the PBA history, uh, as far as imports are concerned, Michael Hackett. We'd like to give a special shout out to Joseph Esok Kapili because he is the guy. Joseph, mm -hmm. he's the one who called you thank up. You. Thank you. And he's the one who, who gave you. me your contact details. Hello. So it's thank you, Joseph Esok Kapili, one of our loyal followers here on AOB. Marami salamat sayo for uh, hooking us up, uh, getting us in contact with the mighty bucket, the marvelous yeah, Michael Hackett, man. All right. Thanks for joining us. Martin, also, also. of course, we'd like to thank Martin Yavera for dropping in and his manager, of course, Joy, for setting that one up. Martin Yavera was here earlier. For those who tuned in late, rewind later when you when 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 this is posted on the Facebook page, go back to the first hour about the halfway mark, and you're going to see Martin Yavera talking with his compare, <laughs> his, his, uh, his compare Michael Hackett. So may kita niyo yan lahat. So yon. Tapos na ang ating episode 78, the Labor Day episode. It's now in the books. Another episode of AOB has gone by. Uh, so thank you for joining us once again on behalf of my partners, Sid Ventura, 
happy that the Celtics came back from 30 points down to win today <laughs> in overtime. Okay, and then Jay Mercado pinch hitting for Noel Zarate. I'm Charlie Kuna. Thanking you all once again, especially the biggest thank you to Michael Hackett for joining us on this day. That's the end. Thank you guys. We will thank see you, you soon. Thank you. We will thank uh, you. announce who our next guest will be, as usual, on our Facebook page. Stay tuned for that. But for now, we're signing off. Marami salamat. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That concludes this episode of An Eternity of Basketball. As a reminder for this show and others like it and projects like it, go to globallyballin.com as well as follow Globally Ballin on all social media, including facebook.com slash globallyballin, Twitter at globallyballin, and Instagram. You can also follow this show directly at An Eternity of Basketball on Instagram or facebook.com slash an eternity of basketball. Thank you and make sure to catch next week's episode.